T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Uh, couldn't, have, couldn't have scripted it better, Mike Sielski. I was disappointed, to be honest. Oh, uh, for now. Well, first at bat, coming off the disabled list, standing ovation, bases loaded. How do you not hit a grand slam, there, oh, Bryce? You were looking for Roy Hobbs moment. Were you, you know, I wanted Randy Newman's score kicking yeah. in. I wanted Glenn, <laughs> the lights going out. Glenn Close standing up in the bleachers, the whole nine yards. Yeah, well, it was still pretty good. It was pretty good. I have high standards, Glenn. Yes, good morning, everybody. He's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macno. Saturday morning, 94 WIP. And uh, if you watched the Phillies last night, well, if you watched the first inning, pretty much could have done that and gone out and done something else uh but it was it was a great great moment as the phillies beat the pirates seven to four but it was really the first first inning where it was two nothing after six right four nothing after one two six nothing after two excuse yes. me not two nothing after six six nothing after two yes yes i can count um but it is that first inning when all the drama is built as the first three phillies runners get on base Bryce Harper, who has been out for two months, comes back, gets the hit, looks good. Just give me your general take. Take me to the scene. You're the columnist. Give me the forty-five second column on this. Well, Dave Murphy, my colleague at the Inquirer, wrote it and wrote it well. Which is, you know, you look at the Phillies as they were without Harper, and they were thirty-two and twenty, mm-hmm. and didn't bottom out if anything thrived without him and position themselves in a way so that when he comes back he can give them a shot in the arm down the stretch in a playoff race and so to have that scene there last night you go into the game thinking that as context and then you have the scene last night where the pirates are basically doing everything through the first three hitters to make it so that Bryce Harper comes up with the bases loaded, uh, including that ground ball that Alec Bohm hit to the shortstop, and the shortstop froze and didn't know what to do with it. And it was almost like, here, Alec, take first base. We want to create a dramatic situation for Bryce Harper. Um, and then, of course, he gets a big hit, and the Phillies are off and running. I mean, he's the man in it's that great. lineup. Yeah, it's so great. And it was so exciting, and it's it's fun. We have now reached—we're back to a season where baseball is fun— you know, we've had moments over the last decade, but not a lot, and not heading into September. Um, not where you really believe this team can do something, and they're fun to watch, and they're fundamentally sound. They don't make a lot of errors. They're not a great fielding team. We knew that coming in, but they don't make a lot of errors, at least. No. Um, they hit in the clutch. they got guys who can—it's a weird batting order, but it works. They have a bit of a rotation. Um 
Yeah, and I, I, you know, they were 15 games over 500 in 2018. I want to say. Yeah. Uh, I think I, fir- I, yeah. Go ahead. The first year with Gabe Kapler, but mm-hmm. there was never really a sense then that you're getting with this team now that this it was actually for real mm-hmm. and it was sustainable. Right. And and we're going to get into this a little bit later in the show, but I think one of the fun aspects of this team and the way it's performing now is that it's not just the guys who the Phillies went out and acquired who are contributing and driving the bus. It is guys like Alec Bohm. It is guys like Bryson Stott. Stotty. Who are young players. I'm a big home- fan. Of, I'm a big fan of the Stotts. Yeah, homegrown yep. guys. Yep. And if you remember 07 to 2011, that's part of what made those teams so much fun. It was that they were full of homegrown guys, and yeah. that matters. They have a lot of those guys, and it does matter, and they've had such a dry spell with the farm system that seeing it work now is really good. For what it's worth, this team is now 71 and 55, 16 games above 500. First time since? Oh, I don't know, 2011? 2011. First okay. time they've been 16 games over 500. Okay, since I'm going to give you a different comparison. Go for it. And by the way, they are uh, 78 runs. They've scored 78 runs more than they've given up. Mm-hmm. 2008, remember, they're 16 games above 500. 2008 at this time, 68 and 58. Ooh. 10 games over. What did they do in 2008? I have no idea. 1980 at this time, 68 and 58, 10 games above. You know, those you're talking about two teams that got hot in September and stayed hot all the way through October. Now, it's fun. And 30,000 last night, it's not a great crowd, but it's a decent crowd. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how people aren't coming to the park, all the various reasons. I, I, I'm hoping and thinking that it'll, it'll turn up more. All right. Now I'm going to throw in the two minutes of, I'm not so sure. Okay. Okay? They're pounding the Reds. They crushed the Reds Mm -hmm. yesterday. They destroyed the Pirates. And by, just let me digress for a second. How the, if you're, how, I feel so bad for people who are fans of the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's a great baseball town. It's a franchise with an unbelievable history of Clemente and mm-hmm. Stargell and Mazeroski and all of those, Al Oliver. I mean, you, you know, all of those yes. guys through all those years. And now they just have no hope of ever being good. It's not a major league team. You heard John Crook yesterday say it's like they're playing a college team. It is. Um, and if you really go back into Philly's history, you will remember – I don't because I was a little too young for it. But oh, I remember the 1970s Phillies Pirates rivalry was great. Was as good as it got. Bruce Keeson on the mound. Yeah, I th- I think Kent DeColvey. I, I think Tug McGraw once said, I, I hope this is correct, but he described the the Phillies Pirates rivalry as better than sex, which is one of the all time great quotes. Yeah, speaks to his life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, God, I like sports too. God rest but... the Tugger's soul. Um, but yeah, and even the years. When I say more recently, you're going to laugh, but think about those Pirates teams in the early 90s that won the division year after year and couldn't get yeah. to the World Series. They yeah. kept running into the Braves, the Braves. and heartbreak yeah, and Sid all Bream of that. scores, yeah, all you know, that. So it's been a long time since this franchise has been relevant in any Terrible. regard. And it's just awful. And it's just, I mean, it's the same now with the Reds. They've been horrible but for so long, but it speaks to a bigger problem in baseball that yes. they need to address that. You have these minor league teams that are just awful. Now, that said, the Phillies play them. They play the Nats coming up. The Nats are as bad or worse than those teams. So, Mike Sielski, I ask you this. 
it's great that the Phillies can beat up on these horrible teams and are doing so, and really not stumbling. I don't know what their record is against these teams, but they barely lost any of them, right? Mm-hmm. But we saw what happened when they played the Mets last week, and they were outclassed, outplayed, outhustled, outfundamentaled, outmanaged, outpitched. Every outhouse, hen house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to come back at you. I, I understand what you're asking me. You're basically asking me, you know, should we be happier that they're beating up on the also-rans, or should we be more concerned that they can't beat a really good team like that? Yeah, Mets? more or less I'm asking you okay. that. Sure. So you're coming at me with Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive? Yes. I will respond <laughs> yes. with Pat Morita, a.k.a. Mr. Miyagi, from The Karate Kid. First learn stand, then learn fly. The Phillies have to get to the playoffs <laughs> That's first. That's pretty good. Okay. Um, and so am I concerned about their record against the Mets? Yeah, insofar as they're not as good as the Mets. The Mets are really good. <clears throat> yeah. The Phillies are a team that haven't been to the playoffs in more than a decade. And I will say this, Glenn. Their next 17 games are against the Pirates, the Arizona Diamondbacks, the San Francisco Giants, and your friend and mine, Gabe Kapler. Oh, that'll be so great. The Miami Marlins and the Washington Nationals. Those five teams are. Give me one more time. Pirates. Awful. Diamondbacks. Pretty bad. 11 games under 500. Yeah. Giants are. They're sinking. Going into last night, were a game under 500. Yeah, and they started the season really hot, so not good. Miami Marlins, 16 games under going into last night. Okay. And the Nationals, who are. Awful. Awful. Going into last night, those five teams were a combined 99 games under 500. Yeah. Okay? Yep. So my reason for pointing that out is the Phillies are should be able to pile up victories over the next month or so until they have to go to Atlanta. So they'll be feeling pretty good about themselves. And look, the playoffs, that first round, it's a best-of-three series. Yeah. Uh, assuming Zach Wheeler is healthy... Assuming Aaron Nola is healthy, I will take my chances. Okay. Glad you brought that up. Wheeler is not. We presume he will be, as you said. We'll talk to our Cooper doctor later about uh, him. He's on with 10 tonight, which really sounds more of a, of a precaution yeah. than anything else. Doesn't sound like it's it's really a serious problem. They're just going to have him skip a, a couple of starts. Nola, the other night, Thursday night, tremendous. Great. Trem- complete game. How about that? And by the way, just as an aside... This is one of the things I love about the Tomper. He's him in. He said, "You're gonna finish. You, I'm gonna give you every opportunity to finish this. I am not walking to the mound." You know that Nola appreciated that. I think it was good for him. I think it was good for the team bullpen. Obviously, Girardi would have never done no that. chance. Never. No. In fact, Nola put a couple of men got on base in the yeah. ninth inning, yeah, and Thompson still left him out yep. there. Yep. Yep. You can get out of trouble, and that was great. And Nola was. Great, and this followed the last start against the Mets where he was <laughs> We've discussed this subject a lot. I don't know if you've got the crystal ball here that can answer this question, but NOLA in September is very worrisome to me. This start was very encouraging to me. Can we have reason to believe that the Aaron NOLA, who has had a terrific year, the shame about NOLA's the only thing about NOLA's year that's a shame is that it's not reflected in his win-loss right. record. Because Correct. if it was... He'd be a legitimate, well, I don't know, Cy Young, but he'd, be, he'd get votes toward the bottom. Sure. Yeah, you got those pitches with the Mets. Okay. But he'd get some attention for it, okay? I mean, his the, the, his whip, his strikeouts per yes. walk, he leads the league in innings. There's a lot to speak to his year. Can I have faith? September. This September, we will not get bad NOLA. We'll get good NOLA. 
I think you can insofar as they're going to spend the first half of September playing some really terrible teams, as Mm. we mentioned. So presumably he will pitch better against those teams. Um, Look, has Aaron Nola been terrific in September and October throughout his career? No, he is not. Uh, I think his ERA is something like 4.6 in those two months over his career, although a little bit of that is goosed. Because in his first two years, when he was a rookie and in his first full season, uh, he has really, really bad numbers. Having said that, it's going to be a test for him, you know. And I think the level of nervousness that you have, uh, I understand it. I think it might be a little bit overstated. And I think that given the way the team should be playing heading into September, there should be the wind should be at the Phillies' back. And I think that should help Aaron Nola perform better as the regular season gets close to the end. You know the meme you see all the time on social media of a guy sitting at a, de- at a table, like a, a desk, an outside table, uh, presumably at like a student union or something. He's got a sign on the table that says, blah, 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 prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. That's how I am with Nola. Yeah. Although, Please, I, I, prove me wrong. He, I believe he was quoted after that complete game against the Reds as saying, take that, Glenn Mack, now. Hey, I, good. I've I've always liked Aaron Nola, but mostly until the late summer. All right, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We have a lot of fun things coming up on the show, which we will tell you about. Let us get into the other issue of the day, which is your Philadelphia Eagles today. Thank God, play the final <laughs> of three preseason games. Uh, of this season, and then we don't see them again until September 11th. It's amazing. It's 15 like three, days. 15 yeah. days? Okay. Jeez, that's a long time. Uh, tonight we will get a lot of second and third stringers kind of going for that spot in the 53-man roster. Ross Tucker and Merrill Reese, both of whom I love, will be very excited about oh, yeah. all this because they care about it. Merrill's always got his Greg Ward kind of guy. <laughs> Ross, understandably, is a guy who played his career at the bottom of the roster, so he roots for those guys. A meaningless game. Mike Sielski, I'll, I'll ask you this. What do we know now that we didn't know a month ago? I don't think we know very much. I think we know, for instance, that A.J. Brown is really, really good. Probably the best overall wide receiver the Eagles have had since Terrell Owens. Okay. I saw no evidence of that during the preseason, but okay. If you were there in training camp, and okay. I, I think you saw that. Right. Um, I think it's it's reasonable to say that. Having having been there to see T.O. in practices back in 2004 mm-hmm. at Lehigh, and you went, oh my goodness, this mm. is unlike anything I've ever seen before okay. on this team. A.J. Brown projects the same kind of way. All right, so we um, know that. We know I think that. I kind of knew that when they got him, but okay. Uh, reaffirmed it, let's put it that way. Beyond, right. beyond that, I'm not sure we know much else. We know Miles Sanders still gets injured. Um, yeah, you think he's going to be there in week one? I would be a little surprised. Yeah, I'd bet I think, against it. Yeah, I would be a little surprised. Um, but beyond that, I, I don't think we have learned very much. Mm-mm. I think the reasons for optimism are still there. I think, you know, you look at Jordan Davis and the way he's performed in camp and in the two preseason games, definitely reason for optimism that the Eagles nailed that first-round pick. Uh, Jalen Hurts, which I know is a big discussion topic uh, all the time, Still a bit of a mystery. You know, we, we spend a lot of time analyzing this practice versus that practice. That's one that will all come out in the wash once the games begin. Um, and beyond that, you know, we don't know much because we don't know 
how Jonathan Gannon's going to call a game. We don't know how much the Eagles are going to rely on the run. You know, are they going to be more like the team they were in the second half of last season, or are they going to be more like the team they were in the first half? I have my guess, but it remains to be seen. Here's my thought. I haven't. There's there's nothing that has happened with the Eagles. This again, the preseason's been worthless, but the the training camp, the preseason, all throughout all of this, that seems negative to me. And I know there's still questions about Hertz, but I think they're going to be really good. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe next week we'll make our predictions, but I'm just telling you, mm-hmm. I'm leaning twelve and five. Look. I am leaning 12. That, that's, that, to me, should be the baseline expectation for the team. Ooh. No, really. I think that— in, in a year where the Vegas over-under is 9.5, you're telling me 12 is the expectation? I'm telling you— I th- thought I was being all, you know, flighty here. I'm telling you that if the Eagles finish 12-5, and five, it would not be surprising. I think if they finish 11-6, and six, it wouldn't be surprising. I think if they go 10-7, and seven, it would be, given the talent that they have on the team. Um, wow. So yeah. simple double digits is not enough for Mike Sealski. Not with the acquisitions they made in the uh-huh. offseason. Uh, not with the talent that was already here that is growing and seems to be developing. Players like Jordan Mailata and, you know, Landon Dickerson, Devontae Smith, guys like that. So, yeah, I, I think 11-12 wins should be the baseline of expectation for this team. I think it comes down I'm to feeling it. the quarterback and the defensive coordinator. What optimists we are. Listen to us. What, what optimists we are. They're gonna, Phillies in the playoffs. They're going to kick us any, out of this town. we got to start ripping somebody soon. Oh, it'll happen. Phillies in the playoffs, and you're saying, hey, five games, excuse me, three-game series, anything can happen. Yeah. Eagles, 12-5. and five. <laughs> Just remember, Glenn, the anything that can happen in a three-game series could be that the Atlanta Braves beat them 15 yeah, nothing well, back-to-back days. Again, there's part of me that thinks like, okay, 06, uh, excuse me, 07. Yes. When they played Colorado in the playoffs and like, wait, we're done already? Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> Boy, just, that was quick. I didn't even unpack. All right, let's talk to uh, David in Winwood. Winwood, excuse me, you're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, David. Hey, good morning, guys. I'm enjoying listening to the optimism. Thank you. Got to take these little windows of it over a period of decades. Sure. Um <laughs> A few questions for you. I heard you talking about Scott. I like Scott, too, and he seems to really be evolving and progressing. Do you think he's moving in a way that he could eventually become the leadoff hitter and be less of a uh, have less of a Dave Kingman-esque uh, that, presence at the top of the order? That, that is, well, okay, okay. I thought you were comparing uh, Bryson Scott to Dave Kingman there. And No, no our, our current leadoff Gotcha, hitter. gotcha. Well, I can say right. this. Um, Kyle Schorber has a much sunnier disposition than Dave Kingman ever did. Dave Kingman yeah. was one of the all-time gloomy guys in baseball I, history. That, 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 that's an unpleasant comparison. It I is, but that. no, I, but I understand what guy. you're saying. Take my point. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think it's possible. I, you don't want to put the cart before the horse here with respect to Stott, but um, there's a reason they've kept him on the roster virtually the entire season, and there's a reason that they have given him this room to grow and develop. Um, and so, yeah, I think at this point, is it possible to see him as a number one, number two hitter at some point down the road in the lineup? Sure, that's possible. Um, but I do think that it speaks to the length of the lineup now. And this was something that uh, Tom McCarthy and John Cruck and Michael Barkan and Ricky Patalico were talking about on the telecast last night. You know, you've got Stott and Gene Segura hitting, I think, 7th and 8th in the lineup last night, that's a good sign. That tells you yeah. you know, where this lineup is right now and how it's performing. Let me ask you guys well, this. Do you think that Stott's future is at shortstop, or do you think his future is at second base? 
And everybody thinks, hey, this offseason, Phillies make one more addition, Trey Turner. Ooh. Boy, if you can get Trey Turner, as far as I'm concerned, you move – if all it takes is moving Bryson Stott to yeah, well, second yes, base, Yes, he would defer it. for Trey Turner. Yeah, for exactly. Trey Turner. Yeah. Um, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. Trey Turner's a great great player. What else you got, Dave? If I could ask one more quick question yeah. the, the, um, about the uh, I mean, all this good management you're doing. It's a good segue. Do you guys hear anything? Is there any serious – Thoughts about uh, the current manager not getting the full-time job? No, I think they will. Um, what he has said and what they have said is it's a procedural thing where before you hire a permanent manager, you have to do a certain number of interviews and stuff. So, I I, I, I mean, how is he not the manager next year? Oh, he's got to be. Yeah. He's got to be. And Get yeah, himself I think, a nice contract. Nice right. four-year deal, right? Yeah. Look, they may have stumbled into something here. Um, you know, I think we've talked about this before, Glenn. I'm a big atmosphere guy when it comes to baseball managers even more than strategy and rob thompson seems to me to be a terrific atmosphere guy poor joe conklin <laughs> can't the, do him huh i mean charlie Manuel was so great for joe conklin andy reed was so great for joe conklin you know the joe waits for these guys to come along and I don't think Rob Thompson's going to be somebody anybody ever imitates. Could you imagine Dave Dombrowski standing up there and saying, we have to let Rob Thompson go because Joe Conklin can't do an impression of him? All right, we need somebody who works. <laughs> 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94, WIP. By the way, I'm not telling you this is a good investment, but it may be. Today, Saratoga Racetrack. <laughs> Paul Jolovitz's uh, hangout, I believe. 1135, first race. There is a horse named Dittinger. How about that? Um, he ran a month ago at uh, Parks and came in and lost a, uh, a race to the wire, lost by a nose, as they say. Uh, we don't know if he's named after Ray, but he is owned by the people who owned the Fleet Alex, and Ray and I did do an, a thing for them a couple of years ago, so I'm guessing it makes sense. Two things. We'll, we'll know it's named after Ray 
if when it runs, it's very, very slow right up until the end. And then it runs really <laughs> fast and wins. Because that was how Ray wrote, yeah, right? Yeah. Was, you know, he yeah. procrastinated and procrastinated and then got it done when the deadline was looming. There you go. Um, and just quickly about A Fleet Alex. Um, yeah. The single most thr- thrilling sporting event I have ever covered and written about was the 2005 Preakness when A Fleet Alex won. When, it, when Alex clipped heels yep. with Scrappy T and then stayed on its feet. And went on and won the Preakness. Coolest thing I've ever seen in sports. Well, that's pretty cool. That's very good. Well, memories are good. And speaking of memories, this brings us to our shy vintage sports moment of the week. I'm bringing it up early today because it's one that I think we want to involve the listeners and callers in. Um, this week marks the, let me do my math, 46th. Wow. I know. Anniversary of the launch of what was a great, great TV station. The Flyers are playoff hungry. The 76ers are ready to defend their title. And all the action starts this fall only on Prism. In October, the Flyers kick off a 32-game schedule, the biggest Flyers lineup in Prism history. And in November, the 76ers return to Prism in 41 home games. The Flyers and Sixers live from the spectrum only on Prism. The home ice, the home court, the home team advantage belongs to Prism. Call now and get Prism today. You look wistful, Mike Sielski. I grew up on Prism. Sure. Loved Prism. Yes. Just, uh, wistful is the right word, Glenn. So Prism started in 1976, and apparently the the first couple years it was like all screwed up and they couldn't quite get it right and so on, but they... They had a lot. It was, if if I recall, it was like ten, twelve bucks a month to get Prism, mm-hmm. right? It I was mean, part. It was part of the, I guess you would call it the premium cable package that mm-hmm. you would get. You would get Prism and HBO, yeah, and those sort of channels. And it was the forerunner of what is now NBC Sports Philadelphia, which before that was Comcast Sportsnet. But when it was Prism, it, it was it was different. It was a little grittier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't quite as polished. It took more chances. You could watch the Flyers, the Sixers, the Phillies, the Big Five. They had a lot of yep. Big Five. They had WWF wrestling from the spectrum. Yes, sir. Who broadcast it? Was that Barniak? Who did the wrestling? I don't know. if I, I was not a big wrestling fan as a kid, so okay. I don't know. I know Barniak was the play-by-play voice of the Sixers on Prism and the Phillies as well. Yeah, and they did their own studio shows. With such as Mark Zumoff. Yeah. And the great Ken Adelberger, fellow LaSalle University alumnus. Big Al. Big, Big Al, Al used Meltzer. to have a great sit-down interview show. Yep. And one of the cooler things about it, apart from sports, Glenn. But you, we left, were... you left out one of the shows. Well, all right. So, all right. So, right come on, man. I okay. put the ball on all the right. tee for you, for so, God's sakes. All right. So we'll get to this first. Do I need then. to before, hand you the driver? Before the non-sports thing. I do remember tuning in in 1988 <laughs> yeah. and see, watching a show called The Great Sports Debate, uh, in which at the end, a um, bespeckled gentleman yeah. wearing a pinstripe suit, I believe... Might have been. Held up... With hair. With hair. Held up uh, the Phillies uniform at the time, the white maroon pinstripe uniform of the Philadelphia Phillies, and said, and I quote, this is the worst uniform in professional sports, bar none. <laughs> you remember that. That it's, was my introduction to Glenn Macnow. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, and that is true. <laughs> and that was the first episode we ever did. But that was, again, I don't, I don't want to make the show about me, but um, other people can do that. Uh, Angelo and Al and Jason Stark yep. and I went to them and said, hey, we have an idea for a show. And they said, 
Sounds good. You want to start next week? And we're like, <laughs> what? We don't know how to do TV. And we ended up doing it. A guy named Steve Rothfeld produced us. Then Ken Selinger, who still produces my beer show. And we kept that thing going forever. But prison was fun because it was, it was gritty. And it was, I mean, it really was the first chance for people yes. here to see all of their team's games. You were going to say non-sports. Yeah. The, the, I have the, a point on that as well. Yeah. One of the cooler parts about it as a kid back then was if- When your parents went out? <laughs> so when Prism wasn't showing sports, it was showing movies. Oh, yes, it was. And even during Phillies, Flyers, Sixers games, often instead of showing commercials, they would run trailers for the movies that would be on Prism that month. So Jaws 3, you would get a minute and a half trailer. Oh, the actual trailer that ran in the movie theater exactly. trailer, not a condensed for TV nope. 20 second thing. Nope, and it made you want to watch the movies, and that was one of the cooler aspects of it, I thought. As that's the part you remember about the movies, is it? So uh, what I rem- That's the part I remember that I'm going to say on <laughs> this radio show. What I remember show. about the movies is they ran X, no, no, they didn't run X, excuse me. They ran R-rated movies, as cable stations do. Mm-hmm. But they ran R-rated movies that were pretty close to X. They were uh, Cinemax before Cinemax. Skidamax. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they they uh, Rochelle Rochelle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they. So so between the great sports debate yeah. and that spawning, you know, pardon the interruption and around the horn and yeah. all these sports discussion shows that we have now. Yeah. I, and Cinemax Prism was a forerunning cable. Prism channel. was great. Prism was just great, and I miss it. Um, listen. I, NBC Sports Philadelphia, I love it. I love the games. I have a show on it now mm-hmm. um, that I'm delighted to what's brewing about beer with me and Joe Sixpack. So uh, far from me to rip it, you know, I appreciate it. But I am, uh, what do we use the word, wistful before? I own a Prism t-shirt. Is that right? Well, yes. here's the deal. People can win a Prism t-shirt today. Cool. You can win a Prism t-shirt, and a $25 gift card beyond that to Scheib Vintage Sports today uh, because Scheib Vintage Sports sponsors this week in Philadelphia Sports History at Scheib Vintage Sports. There's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or ScheibSports.com. So, that great, and by the way, the Prism logo is very cool. Oh, just, that's that's what my shirt is. It's literally just the logo across kind of an off-white, eggshell white shirt. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so to win the $25 Scheib Sports gift card and the Prism t-shirt, you got to give us, I know we've done this, it's a bit of a chestnut, but I just feel like doing it again today. Um, the thing that's no longer part of Philadelphia sports scene that you miss, because to me, it's Prism. Uh, just one caveat. Two caveats. One, it can't be a person. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's yeah, okay. Yeah. Two, our producer to here is a very hardworking young man. Don't just call him up with an obvious attempt to win a prize and no <laughs> sports subject to discuss. You yes. have to discuss the things that we're talking about and then throw that in at the end. All right. I, I have one that... All right, what do you got? Well, as a LaSalle alumnus, as somebody who grew up watching Big Five games on Prism and at the Palestra, I miss... Streamers, streamers at I, Big Five games. Yes. Streamers Absolutely. were great. They were. They were terrific. And and going along with that, the rivalries now, and this is no not anybody's fault except maybe other than Jay Wright who completely destroyed the Big Five because he made Villanova so good, um, the rivalries aren't as fevered now as they were. No, maybe we'd get back to it sometime. If you have two teams good at the same time, but 
we'll never get back to right. where it's like any one of the five plays any one of the five and it's an event. No, yeah. that's true. Okay, that's a good one. So give us something that's no longer part of Philadelphia Sports that you miss, and you can win the $25 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports and the Prism T-shirt. Uh, let's get uh, Jimmy in Turnersville here before the break. Hello, Jimmy. Uh, hey, guys. Good to talk to you. Mike, I love your stuff. Glenn, as always, always good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Hey, Glenn. Thanks, Jimmy. Tell your grandson next Rolling Stones. Next time Rolling Stones come to Philly, yeah, it's on me. I saw that picture. On oh, Facebook. thank you. So, the, yeah, and I posted the picture of the of the John Shira jersey that yeah. Jagger wore during yes. 1981. Oh God, that was great. That was great. So he I'll just to give tell people, mm-hmm. uh, my grandson just turned ten, mm-hmm. uh, and my grandson came to visit. Uh, they love Massachusetts. Came to visit recently. And he's, you know, he's, he's got his, uh, he listens to music and, and he's really into the Rolling Stones. He's like painted black to satisfaction, to Street Fight Man. And it's like uh, for his birthday, one of the things we got him was a Rolling Stones t-shirt. He wears it every day. That's awesome. Jimmy, I appreciate that you appreciate that, man. Glenn, you got to upgrade it to the Rolling Stones hockey jersey. I'll send you the picture. Let's okay. It's great. Okay. But for the Eagles, on both sides of the ball, Who's got to step it up this year? Let's say to the next level. Uh, you take not, uh, J- not, J- not Jalen Hurts. You got him, but, but like on both sides of the uh, ball. You take offense. I'll take defense. Okay, so on offense, I think um, stepping it up to the next level. I think the receivers, other than AJ Brown, and and I say that knowing and believing that Devontae Smith is a really good player already, um, but if he <clears throat> continues to develop as he has developed so far. To put him on the opposite side of A.J. Brown is a one-two punch that has the potential to be as good as any in the league. Dallas Goddard um, is already a terrific tight end. Um, Those skill position guys are going to have to be really, really good, I think, for them to to get to where they want to go, to make things easier on Hurts. I like it. On defense, I'm going to say sweat. They paid him. They gave him the money. He wasn't very good last year. Um, they've got good depth at defensive line, but he's got to step up to be a guy who gets 8, 10, 11 sacks. That's the, and, I'd say he's the guy. And guys, real quick, before I forget, the guy who did the wrestling on prison was Cal Rudman. Yeah. Oh, ah. gosh. What and, a great uh, man he was, too. He yeah, was a philanthropist. He was, yes. And uh, my Philadelphia sports I miss, I missed in the 70s. I loved it. The Philadelphia Wings lacrosse team. The original Wings. Okay. I used to love going there. It was a great time. You got it. Thank you very much. You the, got it. Those but, games were also televised on prison. Oh, yeah. You could watch the Gate Brothers play for the Wings. Oh, gosh. That's right. That's right. By the way, to hear you're the judge of this thing. All right. In case you didn't know. And, and, which means it's going to be tough because some of this stuff. Pre- How old are you? I'm 28. Yeah. Well, you'll know most of it. Some of it may predate you. 215-592-9494. All right. Coming up. Yeah, we've got a couple people say nice things about Mike, and you know, it's good. You're gaining some foothold here, but Mike is going to humiliate himself <laughs> and uh, just you know show you how he's uh, an anti-Philadelphia guy in the next segment. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. That's Devontae Smith talking to our pal uh, John Clark of NBC10. Uh, showing that Devante is one of us and appreciates a local gem. And, uh, you know, I know later we're going to talk about guys who are like, you know, one of us, part of the fabric. And, of course, Wawa being part of the fabric, Devante gets it. Mike Sielski, I turn it over to you. Oh, gosh, Devante, Devante. 
Aim higher, Devontae. Say no to the shorty. Say no to the shorty. Your anti-Wawa stance, which you have written about and discussed on social media many, many, too many times, has always been baffling to me. Well, let me clarify it, just just for the listening audience. Mm. I am not anti-Wawa in total. I go to Wawa. I enjoy their coffee. Oh, they must love to see you walk Oh, the I, door. my mugshot is on the wall in every Wawa. <laughs> right. I, that's, that's fine. Um, if you see this man. Yes. Um, my issue is that their hoagies are, number one, not as good as they used to be. Mm-hmm. And number two, I understand where Devontae's coming from because Devontae did not grow up and has not lived very long in what is the greatest sandwich city in America. It is. And my issue is that it seems to me Philadelphians almost fetishize the Wawa hoagie and forget that there are hundreds, if not thousands, no. of corner delis that produce better sandwiches no, and hoagies no, than no. Wawa does. No, you misunderstand. Oh, by the way, look what's here. Oh, look, a Wawa Who knew? hat. A Wawa hat. Here, you've got to wear this ah, during the show. Get it away from me. <laughs> so here's here's what it is. Wawa's not in the top 50 great sandwiches in this town. One year when I did my food hunts, I did a sandwich thing. And Mm -hmm. another year I did a hoagie thing. And another year I did a cheesesteak thing. And in none of those was Wawa in any way the legitimate competitor. What Wawa is, it's that dependable friend that you're headed home at 10.30 at night. And it's like, God, I'm really hungry. I got to get a sandwich. You know what? Wawa's there. And it's open. And I know what it is. And I can choose my own and make it. And it's gonna. It's not going to be great. It's not going to be great. But it's going to be good. It's going to be solid. It's going to be dependable. Wawa is your old friend who's always there to serve you with coffee or a sandwich or a pretzel. And that's what Wawa is. Glenn, when it comes to hoagies... Wawa is the dependable friend who keeps forgetting where you live and drives you somewhere <laughs> no, else. No, it is this not. Antipathy the, is just the Wawa hoagie is not as good as it once was. They used to slice the lunch meat fresh. They don't do that anymore. the The rolls used to be better. They're not as good anymore. Um, and again, the analogy I would use is this: rooting for Wawa in Philadelphia with so many smaller terrific sandwich shops is like rooting for Apollo Creed and the champ ain't what he used to be all right all right I'm uh, it, it's so hurtful to hear you take this anti-local stance it's you know what it is and this is part of it for for Devante, and this is why people loved it we have our institutions yes and, I, some oh, I not, get it. and some of them may not be as good as they used to be including some of the ones that I'm going to mention but they're our institutions right Tasty cakes. If, if he comes in and says, like, man, I love tasty cakes. I don't even eat tasty cakes myself, mm-hmm. right? I'm trying to – we have a, a stack of them yes. out here, and, and it's like all the willpower I can take. It's like I could lose 25 pounds. I'm not touching them. Mm-hmm. But if you like tasty cakes, you're one of us. If you like Wawa, you're one of us. That's what it is. I totally get that. Okay. And I'm not ripping tasty cakes because tasty cakes are still tremendous. Wawa's coffee still – you know, fine for what it is. Good when I need coffee. a good coffee, good, good cup coffee. of coffee. Come on, the, the quick that Ellis stuff. Coffee. Yeah, the quick stuff that you can get. You know, a snack here and there. That's fine. I'm you just get limiting. Fresh fruit, buddy. They do, and I I'll, sell I'll you grab fresh their, fruit at your Seven Eleven. I like grab you a cup of mango to. every chance I get when I'm in Wawa. Mm. I do not order a hoagie from Wawa. All right, all right. Well, it's been said, and you've been wrong again. That's okay. Jeff in Orlando is with us. Good morning, Jeff. 
Jeff. Good morning, guys. There you go. Really Hi, Jeff. Taking the call. Sure. Um, I was at the ball games last weekend, and it was it was a really uh, a, a soul crushing experience. Uh, wow. Watching that many people play, you know, uh, and, and watch disappointing baseball. Yeah. Um, and you know, the crowd was out of it, um, and I've been encouraged this week by beating up on the bad teams. But it was just just a tough deal all the way around. And uh, I, um, I I I really I hope the fans pick back up on this. I, I get it, Jeff. I get it. Look. The Mets are the closest thing the Phillies have to a a real, real rival. Um, you know, Glenn and I talked about this on the show last week, that sometimes the Mets-Phillies rivalry is very heated, and often it isn't, um, just because they're, they've rarely, over their histories, been good at the same time. And now we have a situation this season where the Mets are really, really good. They won again last night, Pete, Pete Alonso with a base hit, uh, a walk-off single to win the game against the Rockies. Uh, and I get that, but look, the Phillies have 17 games coming up against basically the dregs of the National League, uh, and it is possible, I'm not saying anybody should necessarily look forward to, it, to this or assume it's going to happen, but it's possible that they'll get the Mets again in a playoff series, and you know what? Who knows? They're not. They're, uh, give me the thing that you missed, Jeff. What's the thing in Philadelphia sports that no longer is with us? I, I'm going to tell you the thing that I missed. I'm going to tell you the thing I missed the most, tickets. Tickets, hard tickets. The tickets with the logos on them. I, I get it. I, them. It's unbelievable. I get it so much because I used to get the season tickets, and the package would arrive, and you got so excited opening it. And most years they put like different players on the tickets, and they were big and they were glossy. Oh, you're hey, I'm with you, pal. That's or, a, that's a good one. Thank or even you. if you don't get season tickets. Your first ticket to a game yeah. of any kind. Right. Save the stub. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Go, gotta, good one, Jeff. Yeah, that's a very good one. Um, oh, just in terms of the playoffs, they don't measure up against the Mets. They don't measure up against the Dodgers. What, the Dodgers win 40 out of 50 or some crazy? 41 one? out of 50. Unbelievable, right? It's they remarkable. don't measure up against the Braves. Maybe the Central, but they're not going to get to the Central first. Uh, if if they get past the first round, you know we we may have to but play it's some. But what hu- it is? They didn't measure up against the Braves in 1993 either. Glenn, remember that? No, <laughs> no, the, no. They the Phillies had the better record, didn't? No, they, they didn't. The Braves didn't? won 104 games that year. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. How many did the Phillies win? Uh, 97, I want to say. Good memory. Yeah. All right. John is with us. Hey, John. Hey guys, how are you? Good morning. Morning, John. Hi. I just wanted to, uh, when you're talking about Prism a few minutes ago, Glenn, I just wanted to tell a quick Jim Barniak story. Um, so I'm watching an old interview on Prism, and it was Barney, it was Barniak interviewing um, Harry, and he's, he's trying to make the transition. Harry, was it a big deal to come over to Philly from Houston? And, uh, and Harry's saying, well, it wasn't that big of a deal, but Bill Giles back then – you know, he said, listen, he says, you know, Whitey's our color analyst. We, we know there's more there. We need you to get more out of Whitey on the, on a telecast. And I believe this was the first telecast. And Harry's telling the story of, of during the game, you know, uh, the, the player keeps fouling off a ball. And, and Harry goes down this path of, oh, uh, Harry uh, or uh, Whitey, man, you, you know, bats are everything to a ball player. You know, what, you must have really loved your bat. Mm-hmm. And 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 what his response was, Harry, I slept with a lot of old bats in my day. 
<laughs> those guys are those guys were great. I mean, and, and was, so here you go. You have Barney Attic interviewing Harry yeah. regarding Whitey, and the boss was Bill Giles. Yeah, it's great. Talk about talk about the icons of of Philly sports fifty years ago. Oh, those guys. They, they were all great. They were great. And yeah. I, thank you. And I and we will look back. I also believe at this era in 20 years and say, my God, we had Fransky in L.A. Mm-hmm. and Merrill and Mike. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like they, they, we, they were, you, the city has always had great broadcasters. I, I always say to people um, who complain about the broadcasters in this town, whether you're talking about the radio voices or the television voices of the local teams, what you ought to do is go listen to more play-by-play voices and analysts for teams outside of this market, and then you'll know how good we have it in Philadelphia. You have people who complain to you about our broadcasters because... I mean, I think they tend to be held in very high regard. I am not going to out those people on this show, but they know who they are. Wow. I think all four sports, the guys who do it locally on radio are excellent. The guys who do it on TV, we're going to talk about that coming up. Mm -hmm. I think they're really good. Hey, let me give you a, uh, a Phillies stat that's pretty impressive. Since Rob Thompson took over, by the way, this is from on Twitter, Ace of Spaders, Ryan Spader, who's just is An terrific. Follow, oh, he's yeah. great at this stuff, right? Good, very nice guy too. Good guy. Seventy-four games under Rob Thompson. They're forty-eight and twenty-six, third best record in baseball. They are uh, one hundred and three home runs, fifth most in baseball. Seven fifty-five OPS, seventh best in baseball. Three fifty-two ERA, seventh best in baseball. Uh, two thirty-two batting average against, fifth best in baseball. Ten shutouts, most in Major League Baseball. And you don't believe in Aaron? I didn't Nola. say I don't believe in Aaron Nola. <laughs> I said I have some skepticism as to whether he will hold up through September. It's not quite as jaunty as what you said, but it's Aaron Nola is your Wawa. No, he's not. No, 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 no. I'm just no, kidding. I'm no, just no. kidding. I'm a, I'm a NOLA guy. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. we got a lot of things in the mix. And to win the Shy Vintage Sports gift card and the Prism uh, T-shirt, tell us something that no longer is with us in Philadelphia sports that you missed. By the way, tickets was a great answer. That's a good one. That's a really uh, good I'm one. I'm with him on that. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack now Saturday morning, 94 WIP. Uh, we will be on until 1 o'clock, and then I will be back at 5 for Eagles pregame show uh, with Joe Giglio, Russ Tucker, Merrill Reese, Howard Eskin, Elliot Shore Parks. Oh, who am I forgetting? I don't know. Gang of Thousands. So. Uh, Stan Walters? Oh, no. You know who we have today? Trey Thomas is joining us. Oh, I, excellent. I love Trey. As a, well, I loved him as a left tackle. But I, I think Trey is a really talented, obviously smart, that mm-hmm. goes without saying, but really good guy on radio, and I'm delighted he's going to sit in with us today. So that's going to be fun. That's from 5 to 7, leading up to Eagles, Miami, Dolphins. Um, so you wrote a, a terrific column, which I read just this morning. It dropped this morning? It did. And it'll be in tomorrow's paper? Yep. Okay. And it was basically on... Our guys, I guess, is to simplify it, and you, you start by focusing with Tyrese Maxey, and I don't know if you did this because of his star turn during the Phillies broadcast the other night where every, he was just so endearing. Yeah, absolutely. Which he has been. But your point is kind of, if I get you right, that we we in Philadelphia and maybe other markets love, as opposed to the the 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the guys who just kind of come and go. Mercenaries. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. We have our guys. Yeah. And they're part of us and part of the fabric. Yeah. The interesting dynamic, what I did in the piece was contrast Tyrese Maxey with Kevin Durant, right? Yeah. Because, you know, for the last couple of weeks, there had been this scuttlebutt based on one kind of random report that the Sixers might have been interested in trading for Kevin Durant. And any sort of deal that the Sixers theoretically would have made to acquire Kevin Durant probably necessarily would have included Tyrese Maxey. And what struck me about the discussion about that, and it took place on social media and talk radio and bar rooms and all that kind of stuff, was how many people said, no, I don't want to trade Tyrese Maxey for Kevin Durant. And there was something else going on there beyond just the cold calculation of like what is better for the Sixers. Right, because it would be difficult to argue from a competitive point of view that you could turn down the opportunity to get him exactly and, and not give up Maxi. Kevin Durant is one of all time the 25 at a minimum like that's on the edge of it best players in NBA history I mean he's incredible um, and so many people were like no I'm not giving up Tyrese Maxi, who's terrific but has been in the NBA for two years to get Kevin Durant it just it struck me and what it got me thinking about was why fans follow sports what what do we really love about it and so much of the discussion nowadays, and I think Philadelphia is a little different in this regard, but not too much. So much of the discussion these days centers, centers on where are players going? Yeah. Who's changing teams? Yeah. Uh, how, who's really going to win a championship? Um, you know, where is Durant going? Is he staying in Brooklyn? Is he going to the Celtics? That sort of stuff. Whereas I think a lot of fans look at a situation with a guy like Tyrese Maxey and they'll say, you know what? If I get to watch him play every night for 10 years and the Sixers don't win a championship, I'm cool with that. I'll take it. I'm do, not saying they all feel that way. I think a lot of them do. I, I, I 90% agree with you. I don't, know that they, I don't know that they know they think that. Right. Because I think if you ask them, it's like, no, I won a championship and I'm going to win it with Tyrese Maxey. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I think they may not trade it. You and I, before the show, you brought up a name that I think fits this better than anybody. Iverson. Yep. Right? They did not win a championship with Iverson. They kind of got close one year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think along the way, people would say, like, no, no, I want the championship. I want the championship. But looking back, most 90% of Sixers fans would not trade that era. L- let me frame it this way, Glenn. If you gave a fan a choice between watching an Iverson or a Tyrese Maxey every night for 10 years, knowing that the team, the Sixers, would be pretty good or really good but would never win a championship, or... You get the championship the first year. Let's say you trade for Kevin Durant or LeBron James right. or whatever. You trade for you, Kevin, you Kevin Durant, you win a championship. And then right. you go the next nine years and the team is boring and stinks. Oh, we've had that conversation a lot. Yeah. Okay. I'll put it, I want to put it a different way. Um, forget the boring and stinks. You get Kevin Durant, you win a championship, and then Kevin Durant leaves and goes to the next place. Mm-hmm. And he's here for one year and he wins a championship. Will you embrace that as closely as you would... The Iverson era, even if you win a championship, and I don't know that you would. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. The Eagles won that Super Bowl with some guys who were not long-timers here. No, but they did. You look back at that roster, a lot of those guys were here just that year or maybe a couple years. But the guys, there were enough guys who had been here a while who, I think I used the phrase in the column, came up as pups here, Mm -hmm. guys like 
Nick Foles, even though he left and yeah, came yeah. back. Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. Right, Lane, yeah. You know, the Phillies of 2008 oh, yeah. were Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Cole Hamels, guys right, who- that nucleus was great. Fans had seen come up and develop, and I think- we undersell sometimes how much that matters to people who follow sports. And the, the, the continuation of that is they stay our guys. Yes. Um, we love the guys who stick around town and become part of the fabric of this town. I talked to Mike Quick yesterday. Our, mm-hmm. My brewery, Conchock and Brewing Company, is doing a charity beer with Mike Quick and Merrill Reese, right, who are mm-hmm. as big of the fabric of the town as anybody. That's going to be out in September. I'll blab about it later but the point is Mike Quick is came and he never left right he's part of us that's Harold exactly Carmichael right. is part of us that's, that's Bill the... Berge you want to go back a little bit Jaworski those guys who come here and stay here we love those guys now I don't know if Tyrese Max is going to be here in 30 years basketball players it seems to be fewer of them than the other yeah. sports for whatever reason but I get you people want to feel that and I think Tyrese you think he can be that guy he he called Philadelphia his other home. I know. I love night. that. Oh, God. I um, love that. You know, he said he had three homes. He had Garland, Texas, where he was born and raised. Yeah. He had Lexington, Kentucky, where he played college basketball. Yeah. And he now has the Philadelphia area. Yeah. Now we, now we just need to sit down with him in a Wawa and share a sandwich. Oh, we're not doing that. No. Uh, maybe. No. It's, we, it's a great point. You know. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, to, to somebody like a Jason Kelsey, you know, who vacations in sea isle city we eat that stuff up here and that matters having a home in sports matters yeah i i I get it and do you think we're different than other markets that way i i do i do i do i think there's i think there are markets that are similar i think boston obviously is very similar yeah boston's us i think new york can be similar in certain respects too big yeah um Buffalo, you would know better than I would, but I think Buffalo for Bills fans and Sabres fans. Oh, for definitely. Yeah, has that sense. Oh, Jim of like, Kelly in Buffalo came yeah. and never left. You know, yeah. um, Danny Briere could probably go back to Buffalo. Oh, he's beloved there. Yeah, yeah, still be a Sabre. Yeah. So um, I think there are markets like it. I've, I haven't encountered one um, where that feeling was as strong as it is here. Yeah, maybe. I also think there's a generational thing. I think that, well... I don't know if this fits the maxi thing as much because Sixers have a younger fan base now, I think, than mm-hmm. than the other sports. The, yes. The people who kind of grew up during the process and like see it as a coming of age, mm-hmm. I think, view it differently. But I think that the generation which is more bred to analytics and numbers is more open to just like swapping this guy for that guy for this guy because it'll win us a championship and we'll be three games better and the personality doesn't matter whereas people who are and when i say older i'm talking 40 or older (laughs) right yeah i'm just like hey come on i love the guy yeah i'm part of that too and i think you're right it's a great point about the way sports are consumed now uh, it's fantasy, daily fantasy sports. Yes, it is, right. It is uh, the way sports are covered. If you watch ESPN or Fox Sports, if you watch these discussion shows, if you're paying attention and you follow the media closely, you can see how the discussion is kind of framed around things that matter to people in the league and to agents and to the players themselves as opposed to the teams and the franchises mm-hmm. and the stuff that so many casual or even really engaged fans care about. NBA discussion 
on ESPN is always just about guys moving teams. Yeah. That's entirely what it's yep, about. That's exactly right. All right, let's go to let me get Mike in Exton. He's uh Mike is bringing up something that we talked just a little bit about the start of the game, which is why fans aren't going to Phillies games. Mike, why not? Oh, Mike, I teed you up. Now you're not there. I guess he's not. All right. Okay. I would have liked to have heard that. All right, let's go to Gary. You're on 94 WIP. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, Gary. Morning, Gary. Hey, I'm from uh, from the Harrisburg area. I lived here my whole life. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Prism when Prism came in, that was the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> I mean, you got a movie channel and you got a sports channel, Phillies home games, Flyers home games. It It was just awesome. And I miss it dearly, just like you guys. Prism, but, um, Prism was a real forerunner mm-hmm. of the regional sports networks. I don't know if it was first, but it had to be one of the first. And as as Gary says, before that, I guess you got – what do you get before that, Gary? You got like the games on whatever, 17 and 57, we, we get, occasional? Yeah, we, would get, we would get the Flyers on 29, and in fact, they still might have been on 29 once they had Prism for away games. I, I forget, but right. – uh, the mm-hmm. Phillies on seventeen, mm-hmm. yeah, and it, it was rough, but uh, yeah, but Prism was one stop shopping. You turned it on, and there was a game every night. Yeah, it's great. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, I loved it. Yeah, and really, when you think about it, um, you know, because Prism kind of became Comcast Sportsnet, which to me is one of the most brilliant, obvious ideas in the history of media or product. Like a twenty-four hour Philadelphia sports channel. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, how, how did how was that not gonna succeed? Right. Well, exactly. it, it, if I can extend that to radio, yeah. When they did that here in nineteen ninety, shoot, what year? I came here in ninety three. I think I think it started in ninety or ninety one. Mm-hmm. And WIP was the second all sports radio station in the country, second or third, depending on what you believe. But you know, WFN was first. And I remember people thinking, 24-hour sports talk, that's never going to work. And I thought, <laughs> yeah. I love it. You know, I, I, yeah. Go I ahead. I also wanted to, to add that, uh, so in 1983, Prism had a Fan of the Century contest. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know if you remember that, but that coincided with, you know, the hundred, you know, the, the Phillies being around for a mm-hmm. hundred years. So they would put up photographs of Phillies players from everything before 83, and you had to identify them. Uh-huh. And um, so I was one of the ones that won, uh, one of the final contestants, and they Sweet. sent us down to, to the vet for a game, and you took, there was, they didn't even, they, they wanted 100 guys, 100 contestants. Mm-hmm. They didn't even make that. I think they ended up with 70. And uh, you had to take a written test. Oh my gosh! To be eligible <laughs> to get on the field at the well, we all went on the field at the end of the game, but you had to take a written test uh-huh. then to be one of the final ten contestants. And the winner ended up winning a car. Oh my god! I'm guessing was that really wasn't cool. it. Wasn't you? It wasn't me. But okay. the so, thing that uh, I remember is I the T-shirt you're giving away. Yeah, the prison one. Um, they gave us all a T-shirt and a, and a photo of everybody and. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have that T-shirt well, anymore. Well, you, you can win another one right now if you yeah. give me something great you miss in Philadelphia sports. Okay, can I just say one thing about the Phillies' attendance? Yeah, go ahead. Go. Real yeah. quick. So I think the problem is with their attendance is we know we're not going to win the division. And it's, so there's really not a battle left. I mean, there are a lot of the oh, games are all there. Oh, there is a battle left. Well, 
I know it's weird to be battling against Milwaukee and San Diego, but it's, that's the battle. Yeah, I, I think we got that wrapped up, though. That's kind of what I'm saying. Uh, okay, but I hope you're right. I, I, uh, tell us what you miss. i got to keep moving. Okay. Yeah, okay. I miss the uh, Philadelphia Journal. You know, that was, I love the sports section in that. And then, what was it, page two or page four or yes. whatever it was? And that, wow. that was awesome. Uh, yes. Awesome. That, that, I don't know if, thank you. I don't know if Mike remembers that. I, I don't. I know what he's speaking of. You're really going into the way back machine. <sighs> it was the 80s, right? It was in, a, into it, the 80s, I think. Philadelphia at one point had nothing personal against you. I wish Ray was here for two minutes. That's okay. Philadelphia at one point had the Inquirer. The, the Daily, Daily News, News, the Bulletin, and the Journal. And briefly, the Journal, which is my understanding, was started by a French-Canadian guy to be a competitive newspaper in Philly with a very heavy emphasis on sports, and he brought up page four where they would run nearly naked women. <laughs> Two things. It had like the woman of the day. I don't remember what they called it. There was like some catchy name for it, and there was a woman, you know, just holding a eight and a half by 11 piece of paper in front of her boobs and like that was you know like oh there you go well we could get our friend jack mccaffrey from the delaware county daily times who is a former philadelphia journal employee i believe he started out i think tim panaccio too uh, my former colleague at the inquirer yes um the other thing i'll say is the philadelphia bulletin where ray worked for a long long time was at one time the highest circulation afternoon newspaper in the yeah. entire United States. Yeah, I know. Um, I have a Philadelphia Bulletin t-shirt as well. People, I love retro Philly wear. And yeah. When people, prism in the Bulletin. When people read afternoon newspapers, which was which was kind of cool. Yeah. All right, Mike and Exton is back. Let's see if we can uh, find out why, Mike, are people not going to Philly's games. They're not, not going, but uh, why well, not more? I'd like to start with the fact that what I love about Wawa is the free matches. Okay. Okay. There you go. Smoker, are we? (laughs) Secondly, I would like to address Mr. Sealski. I saw Trainwreck. Oh, very good, Mike. uh, Well, here we go. As a veteran of Philadelphia's Live Aid, I would like to thank the Philadelphia Fire Department (laughs) for turning on the hoses. And, Mike, you'll get this. When the Temptations came out, it was like Glen Biscuit. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was only crazy. I, I was only 10 years old. Uh, what, Mike, what, Mike is, what Mike is talking about is this series on Netflix, this documentary that uh, Glenn and I discussed a couple of weeks ago on what we're watching. You recommended. Yeah, about the Woodstock 99. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, there was a portion of that three-day concert where the band Limp Biscuit came out and all hell broke loose at the concert. What Mike is saying, if I read him correctly, is when The Temptations played at Live Aid in 1985 <laughs> at JFK... The same sort of reaction took place, which being only 10 years old in 1985, Mike, and just not being as familiar with Live Aid, I find it hard to believe that the Temptations would have caused the same kind of reaction that Fred Durst did. Love the Temptations. temptations. My my girl is a mosh pit song. Ah, Okay. All right. Why are no people going to? Well, I keep saying it. I am saying it wrong. People are going to oh, thirty thousand. Why aren't more people going to Philly? Long games? story short, I went out to Lehigh this uh, week, paid seventeen dollars. When people in the poorest city in the uh, poorest big city in the nation are going down to uh, Citizens Bank Park, they're usually bringing a family. And when you hit the golden gates of the parking, let the games begin. And Matt Gelb but has, has that, that changed? 
from 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Uh, I, I would say this. I would say it's changed this year with inflation being what it is. Well, that's true. Have the prices of Phillies games gone up, or are you just saying people have to pay for everything? I'm else? saying people have I'm to pay. I'm paying for my food. I'm paying exactly. for my kids. Okay. Uh, Mike, what do you miss in Philadelphia sports? Uh, Spectrum concerts. Okay. That's a good one. That is a good one. That's a good one. The sound was terrible, though. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I only ever went to one, I think, one concert at the Spectrum. I saw. Really? I oh, saw. I, went to, I saw all those Billy Joel. I went to all those. Not, things. not to. Well, I'll tease what, what we've got no, coming no, down the pike. But I saw what? Springsteen there. Yeah, in me too. Yep, me too. It was okay. a great show. Oh God, can I give you my Springsteen story? Sure. <sighs> this is the dumbest planning I ever did in my life. Okay. So, um, Springsteen came here. Would you say ninety nine? It might have been the same concert. Yeah. He 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 walked out on stage holding a boombox, um, playing been, "Dancing in the Street." That was how I, he opened. The I show. saw. I'm not like one of these John Clark people who sees Springsteen, <laughs> you know, play 400 times. Right. But I've seen Springsteen probably a half dozen times. Same. My, okay. So this was at the Spectrum. Might have been that one. And um, my kids, I like my kids were six years old and three years old, right? And so we got the babysitter, and mm-hmm. we pick up the babysitter. She says, like, "Okay, just you have to know, I have to be home by 11." I thought, like, oh, that's not a problem. Oh, Glenn. Oh, Glenn. What was I thinking? Oh, Glenn. And I, so the concert's at 8, but of course, it, does, it doesn't start at 8. It starts no. at 8.45, mm-hmm. right? Because the concerts never start on time, which always is a pet peeve of mine. If you say it starts at 8, start at 8. Anyway, so it starts, at, and it's Springsteen. Even, so of course, Glenn, spring, yeah. Even well, if it had started at 8, yeah. you still would have been home too late. Well, yeah, so he's going through, and I, this might have been Nebraska or whatever. I don't think it was my favorite stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So he plays all the new stuff, and I'm, you know, okay, that's fine. But, I, uh, of course, I want the hits. Yeah. And so I'm, I look at my watch, and it's like, oh, Christ, it's 1030. <laughs> And he's just like, you know. He's just getting warmed up at that oh, point. Oh, he's just getting into Thunder Road and oh, Born yeah. Run and all, you know, and all of them. And um, yeah, I, I have to go. And I, re- I remember walking with my wife through the parking lot and hearing the opening chords of Born to Run and wow. thinking, what a schmuck I am. Wow. No, 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 no. Not for a Springsteen show. It's not for a Springsteen show. Bad you, planning on my You part. got it. The under is three hours. I know. For a it, was stup- show. It, was, it was stupid of me. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. All right. So. What we're watching is brought to you by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Window's big summer sales event. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDE or visit them at goguida.com. I did not get to watch a show this week. I really dove into the Phillies this week. Same. We're we're each going to talk about something. I'll just bring mine up first very briefly. I don't know if I can recommend this show. Actually, tomorrow Jody and I are going to talk about the spinoff of Game of Thrones because mm-hmm. Jody was a big Game of Thrones guy and so was I. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. You were not a Game of Thrones guy. No. Okay. I started watching this thing on Netflix called Extraordinary Attorney Wu, which is the most popular show in the history of South Korea. Ah, okay. And now available on Netflix. And it's about an, a young woman... Uh, who's an autistic lawyer, very autistic, works at a large law firm, Attorney Wu. She has a photographic memory, total recall. She can, like, read a law book and then tell you page 62, pa- you know, paragraph wow. two and, and everything. And so it makes her a brilliant lawyer, but she's unable to mm-hmm. engage in normal social 
interactions. Um, she's an autistic Perry Mason. I don't know yet if I'm going to watch it again. It was just it was it was odd, but compelling. It sounds very much like a show my wife really likes on ABC called The Good Doctor. They got another show like this. Well, he's uh, an autistic doctor. Really he's brilliant, and oh. the show's been out for a few years now. Okay, um, well, tell, it, do me a favor. Have your wife scout it out. Okay, a Attur- uh, extraordinary attorney woo. I will. I'm writing this down because okay. that is not the kind of title that easily rolls off. No, the top. my wife liked it better than I did, so I don't know. Anyway, okay. here's what we're watching. We're watching the Phillies. Yep. And we're watching the broadcast. And it is very interesting that, and very obvious that Phillies broadcasts have taken a turn in the last year or so, really more as John Cruck has become a featured part of that group of people they have, yes. right? Among yep. all of them. And much less just the game, the balls and strikes, much more, hey, pull up a chair. John's got a corn pone story that has <laughs> nothing to do with baseball. Well, there's an element now to it of what's going to happen, right? What is John going to say? What are they going to talk about? And as someone who has, generally speaking, soured on baseball over the last 10 years or so, as the sport has changed, as the games have lengthened, as strikeouts have increased, um, I welcome that. I think it's a smart way to go, um, provided you can walk that line where you don't lapse into something inappropriate or you don't just completely ignore the game, You know, especially for a team that now, as we have said, is in a playoff. There race. are those who say that he is ignoring the game. There, mm-hmm. are, there are those among us, and I'm not, I am not with them, who tweet every night, hey, that was a great story that John just told about growing up in West Virginia. Did anybody notice that there's men on second and third and the pitcher lost his control? <laughs> that, that they do ignore the game. Yeah. Now, you and I may be on the same side of this, which is, I like it. And I didn't always love Crook. I thought when the Phillies weren't so good, Crook can be a real sourpuss. Yeah. And th- take away the enjoyment when he's like, when are we going to get out of here? <laughs> this game's taking too long. I want to go home. What are we yeah. doing here? Okay, so that crook I don't like. But the game's entertaining. He's good. I Listen, I appreciate his honesty. I think he's a lot like L.A. Mm-hmm. in that way. Um, he'll tell you. The thing he said last week that I really appreciated is he was tired of Mets fans being there. Yeah. And I, and I thought that was good. And he'll he'll rip on the lack of fundamentals. You have to remember, too, Glenn, that this is still there are still plenty of Phillies fans who watch those games every night who were weaned on, as we referenced earlier in the show, Harry Callis and Richie Ashburn, mm-hmm. who walked that line that I referenced probably better than anybody, where they were calling the game, but often they weren't calling the game. Now, they, in a way, had to do that for much of their time together because the Phillies went through an awfully long stretch where they weren't very good. And in some ways, Harry and Whitey were the only reason to tune in because the ball club was so bad. And you would listen to those guys and they were entertaining and it felt like they were in your living rooms. Um, That's the vibe, I think, that these telecasts are going for. They're not going to be as good as Harry and Whitey, but it is that sense of, hey, we're, we're sitting alongside you. And, oh... It's to the benefit of everybody that the team is actually really good now. So, as you referenced, the the grumpiness of Kruk kind of gets tamped down a little bit now because there's so much less for him to be grumpy about. 
But it is very obvious that they're, they've changed the direction yes. of the broadcast uh, and that this is now a welcome part of it. Because I don't think it used to be. Yeah. I think they used to be much more serious about it and much more like this is the game that we're covering. And when the game's good and it's close, I want that, mm-hmm. right? You know, the Phillies are up 3-2. to two. It's the eighth inning. There's a man on second base. Tell me what the pitcher's throwing. Tell me where the infielder's position. Give me that. But in baseball, there's the games are long. There's a lot of times, like, you know, yesterday, the Phillies are up 6 to nothing. Well, we can get lost in those. When Crook starts telling stories, these random things, and you don't know where they're going to go, they're often the best stories. Yeah, and, and this is the, this is the um, debate or conflict, I think, that is broader than just how the Phillies broadcast team is calling games. This gets to the heart of how we consume sports nowadays. It is, do you cater to the totally immersed fan who knows what every pitcher's whip is and ERA plus and all of that and wants to know what the exit velocity of every ball hit to the outfield is, or... Do you keep in mind that there's a general audience, too, that just wants to watch the game and enjoy it and maybe hear more of those homespun stories that John Cruck is and delivering? Listen, again, this is what we're doing right now. Exactly. Right? We're Exactly. We are in a sports station talking about TV. Now, currently, we're talking about how it relates to the Phillies broadcast, but what we're watching can be about any movie or TV mm-hmm. related to anything, and we talk about Wawa, and you're, you know, you're misguided positioner. Uh, and, let um, it go, man. Live in the now. Um, I think it works. I think it works well. The broadcast, the game is long. There's a lot of times where there's no action. Entertain me. Yeah. And I think that, and I applaud, uh, whosever decision it was on those broadcasts to make the decision, you know what, let's, let's go a little crook unplugged. Uh, you know, I, I like the other guys. Mm-hmm. I like Ben Davis. Mm-hmm. I like you know. I like I like the other broadcast. I think Ruben's really good. Ruben, Ruben has really grown into that role. <laughs> right. I feel like. But Cruck is the guy now who makes it work because as much as he knows about baseball, and the guy had the best career among any of them, mm-hmm. other than Schmidt, of course. Yeah. But the you know the 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 guy who had the best career is the guy who they've kind of put front and center to give us funny stories, and I think it works. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if this translates it all in particular to a sport where you wouldn't think it would which is hockey you you listen to jim jackson or any hockey hockey play-by-play voice there's so much action on the ice that has to be described it's really hard but everybody anticipates that the flyers are not going to be very good this season they're gonna stink so do you call the action on the ice when it's three nothing you know midway through the first period or do you start to unleash Keith Jones and more of that kind of stuff? Oh, I would take more Jonesy. Oh, love, yeah. love Jonesy. That's interesting. I don't know if they'll do it. It's, it's basically the same bosses, so yeah. maybe they'll make that same decision. We'll see how that goes. All right, there is one other thing that I know you wanted to get to. It's not exactly new, but no. let's, let's, uh, let's transition with this. Seems like there ain't nobody wants to come down here no more. All right, so we're talking about Springsteen earlier, just in terms of uh, concerts. concerts. But you, I don't know why you waited five years, but you decided to watch yeah. the Springsteen on Broadway. Welcome to the world. I know, I know. And I consider I think myself. I reviewed this and what we're watching during the pandemic. Yeah. But go I, for it. I, and I consider myself a big fan. I just never got around to watching it. And it struck me. 
Look, I, I love the guy's music. Um, I've seen him, as we mentioned, half a dozen to a dozen times in concert. Um, but what struck me about watching the one-man show on Broadway, and I mean this kind of literally in a way, was how great an actor he was. Because he says right at the top of the show... I didn't walk in any, I didn't work in any factories. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I, the, the persona that I have created for my songs was not me. Um, and this was kind of reinforced, I think, within the last few months when tickets went on for his tour next year at, what, $5,000 a pop. Yeah, that uh, was, that was dis- disturbing. Yeah, and it was just, it was interesting to me because as somebody who grew up listening to him, Got introduced to him in college through a family member and uh, really enjoyed his stuff and, and admires him as a writer uh, if you listen to his lyrics. It just struck me how um, you could call it sort of inauthentic. Now, in the sh- course of the show, Springsteen says that his father is his model for you know who he's singing about and singing to, but it's hard to argue that you know Bruce has made a lot of money kind of portraying himself as a blue-collar hero when he wasn't actually that. And that's I'm stepping off my soapbox now. Mike Sielski destroys another dream and institution. Here, I, let's see. So far in this program, we've taken down Wawa. Yes. We've taken down Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. I think next What's break, next? Sesame Street. Can we can we go after Sesame Street? Uh, um, Elmo. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Do I'm that. gonna club a baby seal before the end of the program. <laughs> really, man. Lighten up. <laughs> uh, let's get Bill. You're uh, with Mike and Glenn. Hey, Bill. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Hi, Bill. Hey, a uh, lot, lot of good vibes with the Phillies. Yeah. We stop here and walk. Um, but one thing you got to admit is the, the bullpen's leaking oil. And that not, that needs to get fixed. Well, I'm not quite as concerned I mean, about you. I, I mean, they need Sir Anthony back. That will help. We don't know yet how long he's going to be out. I think Robertson's looking pretty solid. Um, Brad Hand's yeah, but been under, fine. But, 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 but underneath that, it's been getting worse. It's not been what it was. So what you need then is you need your starters to go seven. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But but if you're talking about getting to the playoffs and doing something in the playoffs, now I, I like I said. Yeah, but if you get to the play, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but if you get to yeah. the playoffs and you're relying on the middle of your bullpen, you're you're cooked anyway. Yeah. And and the other yeah. thing about the the playoffs bill that you have to take into consideration, and uh, you know. People who follow the Phillies may not be as familiar with this because the Phillies haven't made the playoffs since 2011. But come the playoffs, the approach nowadays more and more is all hands are on deck. If a starter gets into trouble, even a slight bit of trouble in the third inning, a manager will get him out of there and maybe put in another starting pitcher. Um, Yeah, I mean, Kyle Gibson and, you know, those guys get added to the bullpen. You know, Ranger, you got to decide... Senior, add to the bullpen or third starter. Yeah, sure. yeah. But you got to kind of get it. To me, you got to get it cleaned up a little bit, and you got to get Sir Anthony back. And that's not like a gift. Well, that I agree, and yeah. that we don't know yeah. that. So we shall see. What is it that you miss that's no longer part of Philadelphia sports? Hey, can, can I comment on uh, Prism real quick? I yeah, sure, sure. Story. Mm-hmm. So, when growing up, you know, when uh, cable came to my street, my mom ran the house. She was the one in charge of, uh, you know, the money. Yeah. You know, we, we could afford cable, but we could only afford one premium channel. So we had a family meeting <laughs> and a family vote, and the vote went three HBO, or three Prism, one HBO. 
And my mother says, we're not getting in prison. It's nothing but sports. So oh, she, wow. she declared executive privilege yeah, on that. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> moms can do that. What is your, uh, we had that vote in my house when I wanted to get a dog. <laughs> Yeah. So, so I lost. I, missed, I lost one to three or yeah, three to right. one, whatever. Okay, yeah. what is it that you miss? I miss a, and this is kind of related to some of the other stuff we're talking about. Affordable professional tickets. Okay, get, I got it. I'm sorry, didn't mean to cut you off, but I got it. Hey, by the way, just got a uh, a note here from a guy named Craig Soloff, who says uh, the Good Doctor mm-hmm. is based on a Korean show of that same theme. Oh wow! And ABC is doing a spinoff called The Good Lawyer. He said, I don't know if it has anything to do with that extraordinary attorney, Wu, but might be. And he gave that show a thumbs up. By the there way. you go. So, there you go. There you have it. 215-592-9494 with Mike Sielski. I'm Glenn Mack now. And our giveaway today, Shibe Sports giveaway, you get a $25 Shibe Sports gift card and a Prism T-shirt. Uh, based on our uh, both of our wistfulness toward Prism, is give us something that no longer exists in Philadelphia sports. Now, he said affordable tickets. Well, that can be anywhere. So right. we want something that is absolutely central to Philadelphia and your love of Philadelphia sports. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. All right, Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Beautiful Saturday morning in a Delaware Valley. I love when it turns to, like, to September and the weather gets... Oh, this is my favorite time of the year. Yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice. We got football coming around the bend. We got baseball pennant race that the Phillies are in for the first time in a long time. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, and this is the time of the show where we always check in with our doctor from Cooper Bone and join our pal, Dr. David Gelt. How are you doing today, Doc? Pretty good. Happy Saturday. Thank you so much. We want to talk to you today about Zach Wheeler. And forearm tendonitis, uh, which is mm-hmm. what he just went on the 15-day injury list with. First of all, just for people who don't know, give us like the the quick what is tendonitis? Yeah, so tendonitis is just generic name for basically inflammation. Um, so you can have some soreness. A lot of times, it's where the uh, a muscle or a tendon attaches to a bone area. So like a tennis elbow, people get all the time with gripping and grabbing things. Um, you get like a flexor tendonitis, which is what Bryce Harper had before too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really more just inflammation of that area. A lot of times it's from overuse or just overdoing it, and then you get some pain and discomfort, and that can cause some irritation there. All right, so he's got on the 15-day injured list retroactive to last Sunday, uh, which means he's going to miss maybe three starts. And they're very much downplaying it. They're, uh, Dave Dombrowski, the GM, said, hey, this time of year, any player, there's going to be something. Pitchers deal with this all the time. Sounds like they just want to give him rest, and they think that's going to that's going to uh, be enough. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, hopefully if they caught it early enough, then it uh, you know, settles down and just some rest. Uh, sometimes they do some therapies, sometimes anti-inflammatories, and hopefully things will settle down and they can move on and, you know, you can make it through September and then hopefully into October, but we'll, we'll see. Hopefully uh, nothing turns bad and he's not sore when he comes back after the DL. Dr. Wheeler isn't the only Phillies pitcher on the injured list with tendonitis. Sir Anthony yeah. Dominguez also has triceps tendonitis. Yeah. Take us through the difference between the two in terms of recovery and I guess the potential issues um, and challenges uh in healing from the from those two injuries sure so you know tricep tendonitis is when you extend your arm out that's when you're using your your tricep it's in the back of your upper arm um it's really attaches to the back of the, of the elbow um right at the tip um 
Again, it's you know tendonitis. You can have tendonitis in any area, you know, as far as muscle or tendon. So it's treated very similarly. You know, it depends on how bad it is, how irritated it is. Um, you know, with with both those guys, they've had you know, prior injuries to the elbow with UCL reconstruction. So you know, they have to put that in the back burner too. So making sure that you know they're not going to overdo that. And sometimes you have tendonitis in one area, then you're going to overuse the other side, um, or sometimes cause some irritation or, you know, drop your arm in the slot and sometimes you get more force or irritation in another area. So that's what they want to make sure that that doesn't happen so they don't have any other problems. Well, we need these guys, Doc. I mean, you know, yeah, they need absolutely. them back soon. All right. Yeah, uh, that's one thing that I, as far yes, as I know. I, I knew, I knew you'd have one. Dr. David <laughs> Gelt, give us something that you missed that used to be part of Philadelphia sports. So it's been a while, but hopefully things will change. But hopefully the uh, Phillies get into the playoffs. It's been a oh, that's what you now, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know what? My prognosis is my official diagnosis is that it's going to be good there. You're going to be all right. Yeah. My my son mentioned that he's like uh, I think said we won 11 more games and we've already gotten to how many ones wins they had last year. So oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they're in good shape. Doctor David Gell, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Have a good one. All all right, thank you, doctor. Yeah. If they're gonna. We we both believe their chances of getting into the playoffs at this point are, I mean, I'm 75, 80%. The odds are higher than yeah. that, I think, if Is you that look right? at the calculations and betting okay. websites and things okay. like that. Good. I'd be surprised if they don't. Yeah. If they're going to advance in the playoffs, what they are going to need is Nola, Wheeler, Ranger. Mm-hmm. I can't take it further than that. I, you know, Gibson is. I can't count on Syndergaard. We'll see. There's a couple good starts, but again, again against bad teams. But those three guys to each pitch into the seventh, eighth inning and leave with a lead. Yeah. Look, in the playoffs, you need pitching depth. You you need to have it, um, which is part of the reason why I liked what Dave Dombrowski did at the deadline. Let's let's not just bolster the rotation by getting Noah Syndergaard. Not that you're necessarily going to count on him to start a playoff game, but you can certainly bring him in in the bullpen in the playoffs, and he can pitch well enough in the rotation during the regular season to get you into the playoffs. And then, as I said earlier, it's all hands on deck. So Wheeler and Nola on a good night can beat anybody, and that includes Max Scherzer. That includes anybody else in the National League. Uh, and then from there, you rely on Rob Thompson and the coaching staff to decide who faces who. And you know, if you can get two the brilliance of Rob Thompson, if you get two or three innings in relief out of. <laughs> your fourth starter, then that's what you have to do. Or even your closer. I mean, there was a, you know, go back a couple of years ago, I think the year that the um, Cleveland Indians went, made it to the World Series and lost to the Cubs, they were using Andrew Miller, their closer, in the middle of games to get them through I think that's smart. hard parts of the lineup. I never understood why managers will save the closer for the ninth inning if you got a situation in the seventh where the heart of the order is coming right. up and you gotta you got to shut them down right there. I, I think so. Have we Have we ever had... A coach or manager in this town who is as much of a blank slate, and I don't, I'm not trying to say he's, I'm saying in terms of what we know, what we think, like, Mm -hmm. as him. I'm going to give you a name that I I know for a fact. I anticipate it and I know it will happen, will cause you to roll your eyes. Okay, because Rob Thompson could walk down Broad Street and nobody would know who he is. You know who could have done that for his three plus years as the Flyers head coach? Dave Hackstall. Oh, your guy. 
My God. Yeah. yeah. Your guy, you know, oh, he's surfing. Oh, that's great. Can't coach, but he can surf. Uh, his team got to the playoffs God, two right. out of the three full seasons he was a, their head coach. Oh, well, they're, they're start the parade. Hey, for this franchise over the last 15 years, that's pretty good. Well, okay. It's a really low bar, and he wasn't very good. You know what? There are times when I will admit I was wrong. When I had a babysitter and had to go home at 11 <laughs> and I had tickets to a Springsteen concert, I was wrong. Your Hackstall thing, you can now, you look, can now say, look, look, I overestimated the look, guy. I'm not suggesting he's Scotty Bowman. You okay? did. I remember that column. <laughs> I, all I would say is- Change of the culture. This is it. Go back and look at the roster of the team- that made the playoffs in his first season in 2015-16. I don't want to. That's exactly my point, and it still made the playoffs. Okay, that's that's wow, that's a great accomplishment. Hey. They got a place in the Hall of Fame for that guy. Hey, uh, we're grading on a curve here when it comes to the ice hockey team in town. Oh, oh, by the way, need to, I got to mention this. Uh, Dinger uh, finished third. Oh, the, shoot, where did I put that? At Saratoga. Yeah, hold on, I called it up, and the guy who sent it to me. Uh, here it is. No, that's not it. Okay. So I, I appreciate whoever sent it to me. I can't find what I had, but Didinger finished third at five to one. So people who bet on that made some money today. Is there any truth to the rumor that Christy Brinkley is a part <laughs> owner of that horse? <laughs> Didn't know. What happened is Chris Didinger ran and he could not pass Christy Brinkley. Oh. Uh, let's sneak in Rick and Langhorn here. Hello, Rick. Hey, Glenn. Hey, Mike. First off, love the show. Love Mac and Michael on the weekend. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Rick. And, and Mike, you're fit in. I mean, what's, what's it been? Like two months or maybe even? It seems like you've been years. Uh, really enjoying the show. Thank you. T- taking me in the way back, machine. Glenn, with the great sports debate and that being the predecessor. Uh, do you remember the sports reporters on ESPN? I do. They, they The guy who started sports reporters... Well, oh, no, that's a different show. Yeah. I'm sorry. I do remember Sports Reporter. Yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, I didn't even but, mention his name, but Conlon was doing that. Yeah, and yeah. Lupica and Lupica. Yep. Conlon always had the mug. He would always hold a mug at like some weird jaunty position for yes, the whole show. Yes, and he, he would always, whenever he was making a point, usually to Mike Lupica or Bob Ryan, um, he would put his hand over the top of the mug as if it were oh. going to spill okay. all over himself. Uh. Yeah, it's probably vodka that was in there. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Kramer did that, right? Or Kathy Lee on that cut? Yeah, yeah. On the, yeah, the, the coffee yeah, table yeah. book about coffee tables. Oh. Yeah, you got it, Mike. You got it and stuff. But Oh, and the Prism, too. That was the best channel. The intro, when it came in and you just saw the light breaking in the Prism, I can still hear it in my head. Yeah, it was great. It really and, was great. Give us something on the Eagles here, Mike. Uh, um, Rick. Yeah, so Rick, give me, me a reason to watch the game tonight. I, I don't see the starters uh, playing. The reason to watch the game tonight is that Ross Tucker and Scott Graham are going to do a tre- and Dave Spadaro are going to do a tremendous broadcast. And since they are my partners on the radio, I'm going to give them that plug. Here's what here's what Ross is going to say. Why you should watch, and Ross will be on today at five oh seven when we do the pregame. All right, actually five thirteen. Okay, what he's going to say is. For a lot of the guys playing tonight, this may be the last time they ever suit up to play competitive football. So they are fighting for their professional existence, and you should give them your attention. That's what Ross will say. Do you buy that or not? Oh, yeah. I enjoy the broadcast and and stuff. But like you said, they're just putting film out there for a lot of other teams. But I'm really impressed with Juergen's 
from what I saw for him. He can slide in for Kelsey right now. I bet you he and, doesn't even play tonight, right? No, 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 no I would be surprised if he right. did, yeah. Yep. No, but listen, to tie everything in together, like Maxi and the Phillies and Harper and stuff, and Wawa, here's what we love in Philly. We love genuine. We love people that put their experiences out there. And Clark is like a little bit of a curmudgeon and impish at times, but he he's a competitor. He's a 300 hitter. Oh, he's a good uh, player. Hitter. That's, that's tough in the Major League Oh, baseball. no no question about it. Here, here's the one caveat I would add to that, though, Glenn, um, is that in general, do we like genuine? Yes. But sometimes I think we will take the right kind of fake over the wrong kind of genuine. Ooh. And the example I give to this Ooh. is Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler, I think, was genuine in what he said and how he did things. Nobody here liked it. Nobody here thought it was good. Um, and so... He was California. Yeah. Yeah. He was West Coast. He may have been genuine, but he was West Coast genuine. I don't, I don't think he... Yeah, I don't think he was a hypocrite. I don't think he was talking out of his rear. I just thought it's like square peg round hole. Yeah. Like you, you just you Right. Know, this. But nobody during his tenure nobody was saying, "Well, at least Gabe is being who he is." Gabe was being who he was and we still didn't like it. Good point. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now. Give us something that you miss. No longer part of Philadelphia sports and make it specific to Philadelphia sports. That'll work better for us. We're here until 1 o'clock on 94 WIP. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack now. Phillies, Pirates tonight. Who's on the, uh, as they say, who's on the bump for the Fightins tonight? Ooh, let me see. Do me a favor. You look that up, and okay. I will uh, tee up football tonight. It is Eagles-Miami Dolphins, 7 o'clock game. We will have the pregame from 5 to 7 right here on 94 WIP. I'll be on with Joe Giglio. Trey Thomas is going to join us today. I love me some Trey Thomas on the radio, and uh, all all the usual suspects will chime in uh, before the final, thank God, preseason game of the year. You did the column last week on how you think preseason games, and I know you did kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, mm-hmm. but the point being that preseason games are becoming more and more irrelevant. Um, they're going to go to an 18-game schedule one of these years, yep. which means they'll at most go to two preseason games, and maybe they'll go to none. Maybe they'll just do I'm, these you know, combined practices. I'm telling you, it's going to cycle around again where these combined joint practices are going to become so important to coaches that the NFL will try to monetize them. They will sell tickets and stream them for a cost on their websites. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, They'll be holding the joint practices in stadia throughout the league, and they'll be calling them preseason games again. Who's pitching tonight? Kyle Gibson for the Phils, Mm -hmm. Tyler Beatty. Is that how you pronounce his name? Or Bede for the Pirates. The Pirates have a lot of guys. It ain't John Candelaria. Let's put it that way. No, it it is not. Bob Moose is not not going to be pitching for the Pirates tonight. Can I get a Harvey Haddix? (laughs) What? What? Okay. Um, I was going to say something about the Eagles, but I forget what I was going to say. I don't know. Five to seven tonight is the pregame. Mm -hmm. Game starts at seven. Be there. Uh, Mike in Yardley joins us. Mike, you're on 94 WIP. Uh, Good morning, Glenn and Mike. Mike. Great show as always. Thanks. Um, I have a what we're watching question because I've, I've been out of town for a while have you guys reviewed prey yet i have not and no. i've been interested to see it uh, oh it's it's good it's well worth it yeah so i hear tell me well just give us a little it. bit about it well it's uh 
I would say it's a mashup between uh, the original Predator and The Last of the Mohicans. It's set in uh, the High Plains of Alberta, 1719, and the Predator shows up. And it's really pretty good. Uh, yeah, that oh, sounds... man, it's furious. Okay, i got to put that on the list. Yeah, it is furious once it gets going. Okay. I have so, to say, not to interrupt you, Mike, but the original sure. Predator is one of a few, to me, perfect action movies like my, that my, yep. that movie moves it yep. knows what it wants to do and yep. you know john mctiernan who ran off in a row predator die hard and the hunt for red october that's a heck of a trifecta it sure yeah. is my my good. son said the same thing uh, that the original predator as far as he's concerned was almost a perfect movie uh the other nice thing about it is that there are a number of illusions and they're not really ham-fisted that's kind of subtle they're like easter eggs hidden throughout it that refer back to the original predator it's it's really like well it. worth the time to all see. right all right all right what do you got about the fills fills um i don't know if you guys felt the same way but i went watching the the reds and the pirates it, the terrible fielding of those two teams really made the Phillies look like they were a good fielding team. Terrible, <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, it's and we talked a little bit about this early in the show, which is the balance of power in baseball is now so out of whack. Yes. If you look at the Dodgers, the Yankees, yeah. the Mets, the Astros, the Braves, are those the best five teams mm-hmm. this year? I'm, I don't know if I'm leaving anybody else uh, who are really good. Probably most are all on pace to win a hundred games. And then you have these horrible, terrible teams, the Pirates, the Reds, the Nationals, um, that just don't belong in Major League Baseball right now. It's a sin. It really is. It's it's terrible. Uh, But but it illustrates something that I think is really positive about the Phillies right now, and I'm I'm hoping that Ray is listening because I want him to jump on the bandwagon. Well, we're going to lunch with Ray, so we'll (laughs) tell him at lunch. What what do we have to tell him? But the, the thing that I've noticed, and I'm going to use Gene Segura as the example, in years past, there would always be some boneheaded, distracted play that Gene would be involved in. Yeah. And he hasn't had a mistake like yeah, that. Yeah, not quiet. Yeah. And they're knock all on wood. playing like that. Yeah, and, and he's it, hustling, too. Gene Segura's not loafed any time recently. Mike, give us something and, you miss. Oh, sure, but the example is fitting over or spilling over to the younger players. It's just really a a great thing to watch. The thing that I really miss the most is watching the Eagles from the 700 level. (laughs) That's a great one. I I, I miss that so much. My son used to say when people would say, oh, the spirit of the 700 level is still alive and well. No, it's not. It's not. Nope, nope, nope. It's a whole different thing. It was a mosh pit. It was crazy. I'm I'm not talking about fights and brawls and thugs, although they were certainly there. Sure. But it was a it was a level of fanaticism in a positive way. Yeah, that was great. And and even you know, so I've been doing the pregame show forever, mm-hmm. right? I've been the lead host for sixteen years. But before that, I did it probably for another eight to ten years with Angelo as the host, mm-hmm. right? And at the vet, yes. And when we did it at the vet, people would come dressed up crazy. Mm-hmm. There was a guy who who had a thing where he had fire that would come out, a flame would come out of his finger. Uh, you know, he would like push his hand forward, and flames would come out. Wow! We had a guy come one time with a with a saw, right, like a buzz saw. Oh my god! And he he went to um, so he had a blow up doll of 
it's probably Aikman or Romo. I think it was probably Aikman at the time. Probably, Whoever yeah. the Cowboys quarterback was, right? Chainsaw. And he came, became known as Chainsaw. He used to call the station. And he went to Chainsaw. This is in our pregame show. The blow-up doll of Aikman, and it went through it so fast that he like almost cut off his finger. Oh, my God. And then ended up in the 700 level 20 minutes later. It The 700 level was nuts, mostly in a good way. Yeah, you can't have that anymore now nah. because of the price of tickets. and um, You're not allowed to behave like that anymore, even you, if yeah. even if you're where the line is mm-hmm. is way further over as to what acceptable behavior is. Yeah. Yeah, in some exactly places right. in some ways that's good. Used to be really tough for a woman to go to a game oh, yeah. period. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Right? That's not the case anymore. I would not bring my kids were young. Actually, I did take them to 700 level when they were young. I said you're going to hear things today and it's like yeah. just, you know, it's what it is. Yeah. I've we've we brought we I've never brought my kids to an Eagles game. Um we brought them to and You're usually working. True. Uh brought them to a Red Sox game at Fenway Park. I took my older son to a Flyers game. Didn't have to worry about anybody yelling and screaming at that uh, <laughs> because it was relatively quiet. Um, sure, but yeah, sure. I mean, that, it, look, things are different. The, the atmosphere at all of these places, generally speaking, is more uh, aseptic, I guess you'd say. It's not as wild and crazy as it was. Yeah, once. but boy, the 700 level, it was pretty, it was nuts. Yeah. And again, I, you know, I lived in different markets, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up in Buffalo, which is great football fans. And I lived in Detroit. Yeah. They weren't such great football fans at the time. They had why would they, they don't have anything? They didn't have anything about. to root yeah. for, right? Once Barry Sanders retired, what was right? Left? I lived in. I went to Dolphins games when I lived in Florida for about four years. And seven hundred level, man, that was that was pretty something special. different. Hey, by the way, this hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. So you wrote a column um, earlier this week about NFL coaches and. Um, essentially how young they are and yeah. i had no idea well i'll let you kind of say it what kind of the prevailing thing is well the column was centered around nick sirianni and mike mcdaniel the dolphins coach and they are relatively young right sirianni's 41 mcdaniel's 39 but they are two of eight coaches among the 32 nfl teams who are 41 years old and younger that's amazing that's a quarter of the league yeah and so what the column kind of got into was the idea that this is the way the league is trending, in large part because the players themselves are getting younger and younger. The average age of an NFL player is dropping. It's for a lot of reasons. Number one, the length of time that players spend playing football. Number two, and probably most importantly, younger players are cheaper and owners uh, don't want to play, don't want to pay them, okay. right? Um, but it's an interesting dynamic to explore because I think you know, particularly in a place like Philadelphia, we still have that stereotypical image of, you know, the the hard driving old school coach who's making his players run gassers at the end of practice if they don't, you know, perform well during the drills. And even somebody like Dick Vermeil, who, you know, was emotional and wore his heart in his sleeve and is a great guy, still put his players through practices that they had never experienced before him. And Buddy Ryan practice was like Thunderdome and all of that stuff. Yeah. This is still takes some getting used to, I think, for people. So you're not just saying they're younger by age. You're saying they're younger by essentially kind of how they view things, right? Yeah. It's a new school. What we here refer to derisively as Camp Cupcake is kind of the way the whole league is going now. Well, look, part of it is the collective bargaining agreement. You can only push players so hard in practice. Yeah. Uh, they can only practice at certain times, and then you have 
practices like the ones the Eagles had in camp this year that lasted 58 minutes. Yeah. Um, that's the way the league is going. Well, the whole point now is to not get guys hurt. Right. Right? And the Eagles are pretty in really good shape. Um, Kelsey's out. Maybe back by the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miles Sanders is out, and who knows when he's, you know, what his situation is. But other than that, they're pretty healthy. You saw that the Cowboys lost one of their best linemen the Tyron other day. Smith, yeah, yeah. Now, that was in practice. Yep. Uh, he's going to be out for at least a month, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Giants lost their first round be- draft pick, fourth pick of the draft, third yeah. pick of the draft. Thibodeau. Yeah. In a preseason game last week. And, and and so the whole point of getting to the season healthy is what the whole point is. Uh, in terms of the young guys, it is it is interesting to me they're all that young. And um, although when Andy got here, he was, what, 39? I think so, yeah. Okay. When Vermeil got here, he was a boy coach. Yeah. What's interesting about the Andy example, though, Glenn, is if you remember, one of the first things that Andy did to kind of set a tone was, pardon my language, act like a hard ass. Yeah. He had George Hegeman George on the blocking slam. Push him blocking slam um, and then cut him. Right. And But it was almost as if he felt like he had to establish that yeah, absolutely. before he could dial it back absolutely. and be these guys' friends. So I did a Zoom earlier this week with Dick Vermeil, uh, with PNC Bank, which sponsors our ga- our broadcast. And Merrill and Mike were there, and Vermeil, Seth Joyner, Howard. It was it was a really interesting thing, and I got to kind of MC the thing. And I asked Vermeil, what is it that, Nick Sirianni's got to know this year that he didn't know last year, right? Mm-hmm. First year coach, he's learning the whole thing. And, and he said, what Nick Sirianni has to do this year, what every coach has to do every year is show his players that he's smarter than he was a year before, more dedicated than he was a year before, because every year the coach has to reestablish himself, mm-hmm. particularly a young guy like Sirianni. It's kind of the... Well, it's Andy with George Hegeman, although he doesn't have to show himself a hard ass, but he has to show... I'm the head coach, I'm smarter, I'm working this hard, which means that you have to work this hard. Yeah. And and it was obviously, that's a Vermeil kind of thing. It is, and it's something that Dick went through his first couple of years as an Eagles head coach. You know, yeah. I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago as he was going into the Hall of Fame. We all think now of Dick Vermeil as the guy who is emotional and cries at the drop of a hat, and his players are so incredibly loyal to him, even all these years later. But he had to build that loyalty to get to that point yeah. when he when he started with the eagles his players were very insulting and derisive to oh, him yeah. behind his back they oh, called yeah. him high school harry yes. he was the little dictator yes. it was bill Berge who called him high school harry in yes fact. and uh, and then became lifelong devotee exactly but that was the thing was that dick was going to work them until the results started to show themselves in a positive way, and then they kind of devoted themselves to So Sirianni's got a very different approach, which he is the player's friend. Yes. Right? He wears T-shirts with his player's face on it. He plays hoops with his players. He plays rock, scissor, paper. Rock, paper, scissor? Mm -hmm. Let's get the order backwards. Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. That is, by the way, just not to digress, that is the column I want to write is I want to play rock, paper, scissors with Nick Sirianni. Oh, I, I bet you could do So if the Eagles point. are listening, media relations staff, yeah, they'd like to let's do make that. this happen. You could Absolutely, that'd be a good one. Um, so he's I was that guy. I would take him down. And again, it works if, if, it works if first of all, you have to be a good coach. That's like you've mm-hmm. got to establish that, right? You have to sure. be a good coach. You have to know what you're doing and so on. And it works if they buy into you. It works if they think you're not a phony. Mm-hmm. So far, it's worked with Sirianni. Yeah, and I, the other aspect of that, too, is I do think that the generation of 
athletes, and I think broadly speaking, like people in their 20s and early 30s uh, in the workforce now, um, they want they're they would tend to be more skeptical of Sirianni, not just if he weren't authentic, but if he came in as a taskmaster right away. I think that generation is automatically a little more open uh, and a little more responsive to the approach that a guy like a Sirianni or a Mike McDaniel or a Sean McVay might be taking. Um, that they don't come in thinking that a coach is supposed to grind them in the dust. They come in thinking, I'm supposed to connect with my coach. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I'm trying to think, is, is there anybody around who's the hard-ass coach? Bill Belichick. But he's got six rings. Yeah, right. That's right. And he's 75 years old. Exactly. Whatever he is, right? Yeah. So there's not the next one. Of those young guys. He's got the credibility. You wrote about all those young guys. I, I don't know that there is a young guy who comes in and says, it's my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. And they certainly don't have the credibility built into them that Belichick does by winning all those Super Bowls. Yeah, good stuff. Ned, Lafayette Hill, you're on with Mike and Glenn. Uh, good afternoon, guys. Hey. I, I think the, the conversation you were just having about coaches um, kind of leads into my Phillies point when I have a Philly memory that's not around anymore. But, you know, I, I think that, that Rob Thompson is, is kind of a steadying influence. Um, you, don't, you don't think about him so much during the game as you did and with the past guy, you know, why is he doing this? Why yes, is he doing that? Agree. You know, why why is he worried about who's pitching in September and yes, May? Very good like point. That. And I think his experience around the game, I think he, he's worked under a lot of several different managers and, and organizations, and I, I think that helps. And um, I think he's a steadying influence. And you know, this week there was their, their resilience. You know, last weekend was horrible. Everybody was down. Sunday night, Monday morning, and they just come out this week and they just put it behind them and they, they go out and do what they have to do. And it's a very good it. point, and we talked about this earlier, that he decided to allow Nola to pitch out of trouble the other night for a complete game. I just really appreciate, and you know that Nola really appreciates mm -hmm. that. Right. He let him get he let him get, get the job done. He had the confidence in him, and, and that could help, you know, in the last six weeks of the season. Absolutely. Into the playoffs. The uh, the thing that I miss is is Big Five basketball at the Palestra. Um, you know, when I was when I was younger, I used to go there. Um, I'd be in you know junior high or high school and see these crazy college kids there. And you know, I guess the place holds nine ninety five hundred, and there had to be twelve thousand people in the yeah. building. But what was what was so great about it is you had guys that played against each other all the way up through CYO and high mm -hmm. school or with each other, and now they're playing for opposing schools and 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 in the in the stands you had you know your next door neighbor sitting on the temple side and you're on the south side so i thought it was it was it was it it, it, it you couldn't get that in any other yeah, city I, I th in the country I, listen it's great uh so the youngster among us is the one who's judging this day to yeah hear. that's right and all of this stuff probably predates to here like does any of this Resonate with you? No, nah, not really. Yeah. You guys are going to need to go a little younger. I, I may suspend you as a judge for the day. Well, I, it, it was interesting. We were talking before the show about it. It's like, I'm, hold, I don't mean to interrupt you, but like we're asking him to judge stuff that he's got no reason to have a basis of knowledge. Right. So it's not fair. So you're now officially the judge. Oh, I am? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember all the ones that have been mentioned? Vaguely, yeah. I still you think mine to... is the best. No, you're, <laughs> Can you... I take the t-shirt? No, you can't take the t-shirt. <laughs> I'm still new with this radio thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, but I was going to say was Tamir had said before the show that uh, um, his his 
submission would be the uh, the court uh, that Judge Seamus McCaffrey operated in the in the basement of Veterans Stadium and. I don't regard that as particularly ancient history in Philadelphia sports. That seems like it didn't happen all that long ago. Yeah. Well, nonetheless. Uh, 215-592-9494. We're going to take calls from now to the end of the show. So we'd like to hear what you have to say about all of the things that we brought up. He's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macnow. Uh-oh. My button just broke. <laughs> oh, no. The studio is falling apart. The on-off button just broke. Either I'm going to be on for the rest of the day or I can fix the, Well, Okay, there you go. I'm going to leave that. Angelo's go- Actually, he's off this week, but he's going to come back. Like, what happened to the <laughs> Can we just crazy glue it back on there or something? Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, tell the, uh, I'll tell the people who need to know. Um, let's talk to Dan in Westchester. Sure. See what's on his mind. Dan, what do you got? Hey, guys. Um, I'll tell you what I miss. I miss some of the voices from the past, the peripheral people that, that made the games entertaining, people like uh, the Al Meltzers, Mac Gukas Loved Sr., who used to do the Eagles games years ago, Gene Hart, yeah. even recently Mark Zumoff. But the, the, the voice I miss the most is the Zink, Dave Zinkoff. Uh, I, he's always been uh, my favorite. I have his autograph. I do. I've been doing high school basketball now for 16 years using Dave's voice. Uh, oh, you do? I, I really, Hold on. Yeah. Well, you got to uh, introduce somebody for yeah. us. From the University of Massachusetts, number six, the captain of the Philadelphia 76ers, Julius, the doctor. Bang. Not bad. That's pretty good. Not so bad. when you do this at a high school game, and you're obviously doing the names of the kids in the game, yeah. do people appreciate it? Do they know what oh, you're doing? Yeah. Yeah, I actually. The kids, had, I'm sure, have no clue. I did a game uh, where Jay Wright uh, came over. He was his sons were playing for Episcopal against. Uh, I, I do the games for Delaware County Christian School in Newtown Square, and Jay came over and introduced himself and signed my program. And then I got him to sign a couple of Sports Illustrated magazines after they won championships. So he really, he really appreciated. Oh, I'm sure he uh, does. My yeah. effort, and I didn't bring any attention to him either. You know, him and Fran Dunphy were yeah. there. Oh, they're great guys. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah. You know what? That group of guys, Jay and Fran and Phil Martelli, mm-hmm. I don't want to leave anybody off. I don't know if they're – am I leaving anybody off? Well, I mean, it depends how far back you want to go. But John Giannini, when he was the coach no. of the South. Oh, and I'm, oh, I'll Chaney. put Chaney. Yeah. Chaney. Yeah. And they were all like this group. And, yeah. I mean, I know some of those guys. Um, they've done charity stuff for me. You and I, yeah. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. hosting a charity event on September 14th at the Conchalk and Brewing Company uh, for First Tee. Merrill and Mike are going to be there. And Fran and Phil are donating lunch with Fran and Phil, cool. which is great. Yeah. Man, sit around and hear those stories. Okay. Well, what do you got on the Phils? Well, I, I you were talking about how – they seem to be telling more stories and everything. And, and, and I've been looking forward to that for a while. I thought the games were getting way too analytical. I, I don't really care what the exit velocity is. But I remember when Harry and Richie were doing the games, you know, they would talk about the guy, you know, everybody hits, he's down there doing, everybody hits, woo-hoo! and then, you know, you, mm-hmm. they're talking about this guy on the radio. Or Mrs. Smith, who's sending over an apple pie for Richie. Those types of little stories. Yeah. That, yeah, used to draw you into the game, Loved and, and I see that with Crocker. I I agree, and I think McCarthy. Literally, let's give credit to McCarthy. Yeah, because you know he's he's the setup man. 
Yeah, he's he's got to be the point guard of the entire telecast now. Um, particularly that Tuesday night. You know, we we referenced it earlier with respect to Tyrese Maxey, but that Tuesday night game where the the three or four of them are sitting out in the bleachers. That's not really easy to do, right? You know, it's usually not your normal booth, yeah. Yeah, you're usually in like a f- self-contained box, basically, and to go out there in the crowd like that and kind of lend that vibe to the telecast, I thought it was. It tells you what kind of pro Tom is. So he mentioned Zinkoff. Mm-hmm. People love Zinkoff. Yep. I think Lou Nolan has that sway. I, I, I agree. I, I said this once earlier. I knew Lou Nolan before I met Lou Nolan because growing up watching Flyers games on Prism and all the other channels they've been on, Lou Nolan's voice was as familiar to me as anybody in Philadelphia sports. Mm-hmm. Um, calling, you know, Flyers goal scorers and okay. all that kind of stuff. Dan Baker just got into the Phillies Hall of Fame. We had him as a guest a couple yes. of weeks ago. Dan Baker is beloved in this mm-hmm. town. Uh, Matt Cord's pretty good. Right? Yeah, I haven't been doing it as long, but... But Sixers fans really like Matt Court. Is this town like other cities don't care about arena or do they? I don't know. Do other I, cities I have some, their arena announcers in their halls of fame? I, I don't know if they have them in the halls of fame, but I do remember um, covering a Sixers Detroit Pistons playoff series several years I ago. I hated that guy. D- Detroit basketball. I hated that guy. Well, but people in Detroit didn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, again, it's one of those things that gets undersold in sports is how uh, tribal and parochial they are. And we, we're not as familiar with what goes on in Detroit or San Diego or San Francisco, places like that. I think that, the, for instance, the San Francisco Giants PA announcer is particularly beloved. She's been there for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm familiar with her. Yeah. yeah. So she was kind of, I don't know if she was the first woman to do it, but mm-hmm. certainly among the first women to do it. Yeah, so I, th- I think this probably exists in other cities, maybe not to the degree that it does here. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I've noticed we, we love those guys. We do. We yeah. do. I mean, Philly, Philly is that kind of town. It's, but they're really good. Do we love them because their jobs? Or do we love them because Dan Baker, Lou Nolan, like, they're just really great. Oh, I think the fact that they're terrific, yeah, P- is helps. a big, big reason for yeah. them, sure. Okay. Scott and King of Prussia, you're on with Mike and Glenn. Hi, Scott. Hey, guys. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Mike. Hey. Hi, Scott. Um, it, Mike, it's great to hear you on the radio. Um, I've been reading your columns for, for quite a while, and you've opened my eyes to different point of views several times over the years. So look forward to hearing you on the radio. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for reading. Glad you're, glad you're here. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if this has been said yet. I know it was just talked about. Um, for me, of all the great things that have come and gone in Philadelphia sports, from the spectrum to prism to all the different things, uh, for me, I didn't realize just how much I missed this particular person and what he brought to a Phillies telecast. And if he's been said, I apologize, but um, Harry Callis for me was Well we were gonna such... we're saying it's we're not it's not people because clearly people yeah. there would Okay. Yeah. All right, we're thinking so of places and things and stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. But for for me, just to finish the thought, mm-hmm. I mean I I didn't realize just until he until he died, um, until that came over on that Nationals broadcast, that awful day, just how much a big piece of Phillies baseball, you know, I'm in my early 50s, he was, mm-hmm. and until it was gone. Um, and, you know, from, 
from the watching games, the spectrum, all the great things. I, for me, that's the greatest thing that I miss the most. I really do. Yeah, and, and I think part of it is the longevity of these guys. You were raised on Harry Callis. Yes. Right? So you became a fan with Harry telling you about it. Players come and go, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody to be in the lineup for four years in a row is is a long amount of time in sports these days, yeah, right? it is. But and, Harry was always there. The broadcasters are the guys who take you through year after year. Managers last a year and a half. Owners sell to the next rich guy. The broadcasters never leave. And particularly when you're a kid, you know— those memories stay with you. I was just joking with somebody during the break on a, a text message, you know, um, making a reference to the Phillies record in 1993. Like, I remember that. Yeah, but you I got it right, by the way. Yeah. You said it on the air, and I said, really? And you got you nailed it. But I can't remember to take the trash out on a Thursday night. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. um, when you are coming up as a sports fan, when you are getting introduced to the Phillies and the Flyers and the Eagles and the Sixers, those voices of your youth never leave you. And, yeah. you know, I still, I will still go back. All right. So 1993, you were like 15? I turned 18. 18. Give me the lineup. All right. Go through uh, catcher, go through the lineup. Okay. So leading off, Lenny Dykstra playing Oh, you're going to do uh, the batting? Oh, order. yeah. Okay, sure. sure. Leading off, playing center field, Lenny Dykstra. Yeah. Should, uh, should have been MVP. Much of a creep as he may be, should have been MVP. Probably should have been MVP. Batting second, uh, either Mariano Duncan or Mickey Morandini yeah. at second base. Yeah. Batting third, John Cruck playing first. Some more at the game last night. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was in the stands. Cruck batting third. Cruck batting third, playing uh-huh. first. Yep. Dave Hollins. Had a great year. Dave Hollins batting fourth, playing third. Yep. Darren Dalton catching, batting fifth. Pete Incavilia or uh, Milt Thompson probably batting sixth. Yeah. Platooning in left field. Great platoon. Batting left seventh. Left field, right field, both. You had a good platoon. Yeah. Batting seventh, platooning either Jim Eisenreich or Wes Chamberlain, mm-hmm. depending on the starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Batting eighth for the first half of the season, Juan Bell at shortstop. <sighs> Batting eighth in the second half of the season, playing shortstop, Kevin Stocker. Good call up. Yep. That's pretty damn good. And then the starting rotation. You yeah, could which have. was great. They had five guys, one uh, double digits. 13, I thought it was like 12 or 13 each. Terry Mulholland, Kurt yep. Schilling, yep. Tommy Green, Danny Jackson, Ben Rivera. Yeah. That was the strength of that team. It was great. The starting it was, it was a magical was just summer. Just really good. Yeah. Magical. And summer. you will never forget that, right? No, because I was 18 at the right, time. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I still go back on YouTube and I'll watch clips or of games from that season just for the the sensory recall of mm-hmm. it. You know, uh, Mariano Duncan hitting a grand slam off Lee Smith on Mother's Day. I or, was at that game. Or uh, Milt Thompson I was at that game. Uh, stealing God, a home run from the Padres to yeah. win a game. Went to a Father's Day game that year. I forget exactly who they played. But I just remember it was like 102 degrees. Mm-hmm. My kids are melting. <laughs> and my wife's like, do we really have to stay? And it's like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> but yeah. it's Father's Day. I know, but my kids were just dying. Yeah. Uh, Scott and King of Prussia, you're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, Scott. Is it still Scott? Oh, we had yep. Scott. Yes. Yeah. We talked to you, right? Y- yes. You okay. guys already talked to me. All right. All right. <laughs> have a good Thanks, day. Thanks, Scott. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I called him up twice. <laughs> Oh, there we go. All right. No worries. So good. You know, he, he was very complimentary, so we left him on hoping that he would just repeat all the nice things he said. 215-592-9494. Today's show is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. we got one more segment left. would love to hear from you. You can steal a late entry. You've told me you're not delighted with the entries we've got, correct? Not, not quite yet. All right. Not you can, quite yet. You, you can steal a $25 
gift card to Shy Vintage Sports and a Prism T-shirt. If you give us something in Philadelphia sports, no longer there that you miss. We are not including a person. Can't be, you know, uh, like I said, I miss Harry. Yeah, we do. But it's got to be a thing, a place. Uh, well, we did a tradition, network, perhaps. A tradition. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. Get in now and you can win. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now 94 WIP. This hour sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. I can attest to that. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. So you and I, after the show, have a date. We're having lunch with Ray. We are. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. I haven't seen Ray in a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. He's comfortable, you know, relaxed. He's sitting back, chilling, enjoying yeah. the retired life. Yeah, you know, it's really smart. So football season is going to begin. Mm-hmm. He is, Ray, the first Eagles game, the opener against Detroit, he is going to watch with his son. Really? Which they have not sat down and watched a football game together. Ever. Like, right. Yeah. Because yeah. David works for, in the media as well. He's, he's a... He's a Cameraman. Yep. Yep. Travels all over the place. He was right. at the Olympics. Right. And, and Ray's you know. always been at the game. Yep. So they're going to actually watch a game. And then Ray's wife is very smart. She's going to get him out of town. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not like, you know, maybe I need to go. But you and I are having lunch with him today. You got anything else going on? Uh, do I have anything else going on? No, not not the rest of the day. Be watching the Eagles Dolphins game and the Phillies tonight. Yep. Um, first day of school for my kids on Monday. Oh, so we are they get looking forward for to that, that or no? Uh, yeah, I think they are. Um, I know their mother and I are looking forward to getting them out of the house <laughs> on a regular basis. I'm sure. Basis. It's a you long know. summer. It is. Yeah, it is. I get um, it. So getting back into that routine will be good. Yeah, good. I got pregame coming up at 5 o'clock, so make sure you listen to WIP. Then Go Birds Radio uh, is right after this show. Elliot Shore Park's going to do double duty as well, be on both shows. Paul in Blackwood joins us. Paul, what do you got quickly on the fills? I hey Glenn hey Mike hi Paul how you doing good um just wanted to say real quick Glenn that my son immensely enjoyed meeting you a couple of weeks ago on Friday night in the elevator at Lincoln Financial oh <laughs> wow well it's my pleasure appreciate that yeah I've listened to you and Ray for a long while and now I picked up you and Mike and you and Jody on Sundays yeah um I think part of the Phillies problem is. I know somebody touched on it a little earlier that, like, there's no battle. I agree with you that there is a battle, but, like, the division race is they play so bad against the Mets. Yeah, I know. When they yeah. do play them that the fans are like, you know, why are we going to watch them? And then you get that carryover effect, you know, like, they look. They looked horrible over the weekend against the Mets. I hear you, and I don't disagree with you, and I don't think they can beat the Mets. But, you know, if you get in the playoffs, you never know what happens. The pitching gets hot. Stuff happens. Uh, no, give I us know. something. I got to move. Give me something you missed, Paul. Um, probably before your time. I know it's before your time and probably before Mike's time in the city of Philadelphia. I've lived in South Jersey my whole life, and when I was young – before the vet was built, and they used to, the Phillies used to play at Connie Mac. There used to be a local sporting goods shop in Oakland, just across the bridge, like over to Ben Franklin in in like Collingswood, Oakland area in South Jersey. And every Sunday afternoon, they would give you would get a ticket and a bus trip from there over to the vet or over to Connie Mac, and you got you know like. The yeah. prices there were cheap. 
Yeah. And it was great. I I hear you. I got to run. It was nice meeting you and your son in the elevator two weeks ago. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the preseason game. Mm -hmm. Frank and Malvern, you're on uh, with Mike and Glenn. What's up, guys? How you doing? Good, Good, Frank. Yeah, I uh, just real quick. I mean, I, I'm calling because my dad. We grew up watching Prism, so I'm sure a lot of people have said that. So as soon as I heard that, I said I got to get my dad this shirt. But uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think I got a good one, guys. Okay. Um, I, I'm short. I'm only five six, so I wasn't able to play basketball. But we're a basketball family. Um, I remember my dad taking me to the pleasure of Big Five basketball and the streamers that they used to throw out in the you know right at the first basket of the game. That um, that was my memory. That was the thing that I missed, Frank. That um, was the best, man. I remember that as a kid. It was so magical for me, and that just made me fall in love with going down there. And he always took me down, and to this day, I always take him to the St. Josephville Nova game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's. I think all of that is missed. The atmosphere, the the heatedness of the rivalries, all of that. Yeah. You know, it, it would be great if that came back. It would be. Yeah, I, 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 basketball. It's just not set up for that to ever happen again. No, it's not. The, the sport has changed too much. Chris, you're on ninety four WIP. <laughs> Hey, Glenn. Hey, Mike. How are you guys doing? Hi, Chris. Uh, so one thing, one concern that I have for the Eagles' offense that I don't think is being discussed much is the concept of a downhill running back, someone that's like a Jordan Howard yeah. uh, without, you know, I the want neck that. injury. I, I agree with you. They and that was one thing that it. I was really looking for late in this year's draft. Of course, they didn't do it. So I was just wondering if you guys have names to look for today or, um, you know, on the free agent I don't think they believe they need that. I I think that they're thinking it's, you know, third and two, fourth and one. They're either going to throw it. They like Boston Scott as a small option inside. I would be surprised if they look for that big guy. Yeah, and it's also possible that they're going to wait if they decide they need that back to see who gets cut. Well, I think that's yeah. what he's suggesting. Yeah, yeah. and that, I, I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, do you go back to the Jordan Howard well again? Because uh, he filled that role pretty well, um, but it's not as if he's – you know, the only back who can who can carry out that assignment. So it's just it's just tough with Jordan Howard, the fact that he has, you know, stinger issues yes. being a, a downhill running back. Um maybe a Jay Ajayi sort of deal in the middle of the year. Maybe fit. But that's you know, I, I thought the offense just it looked best when Howard would was on him. I love that I, I love the big running back. Yeah. yeah. What do you miss, Chris? Well, so um, I'm not sure if this has been said. I know you guys are both hockey guys. I really miss the Ed Snyder era Flyers and a relevant hockey team. I don't know if that'll count. Well, Mike and Ed Snyder were very close. I know that. Uh, yeah, he was know. a big fan of yours. Uh, I believe the term was uh, "fresh approach" that he objected to. That was the one at that press conference in the uh, yeah. late summer of but, 2013. Early, uh, I remember that man. That was great stuff. That was, you made your bones with that stuff, man. Hey. You did. You know, you, you got to write what you think. Yeah, and hey, by the way, still waiting for that fresh approach to uh, to yeah, occur. this is what I'm saying. All right, real quick, Rick and Easton, I got like 30 seconds. What's on Pretty your mind? So good memories, too, and I'll get, then I'll give you what I missed. Yeah. Um, the reason why I think the Phillies are so, so good now is I've never seen this lineup so interchangeable. Scott, Boehm, Castiano, they just said our last 30 games. At the top five hitters in the National League. Real I, I, quick. Yep. I, go Philly, ahead. Yeah, this Phillies team, they do not let the sub-500 teams beat them. They sweep them. They had to win 80% of their series after the All-Star break, and that's what they're that's what they're doing. Here's what I miss, guys, and it, and it entails the Flyers getting back to the playoffs. Nothing was like those block parties at the Grass Hut they had outside the Wells Fargo Center. You can go to any hut you wanted. To drink oh, and eat, yeah. they were the best. 
It, that that was pretty good. Yeah. All right. So you're the judge of this. Yeah. Because to hear just you know looked blank. We'll get to that in a second. But before we do, to hear Hood, tell us what we forgot to talk about today. All right. There's a couple of things that you guys forgot to mention. And, and Glenn, as as much of a beer enthusiast as you are, having your own show, I'm surprised this one you missed. Well, Penn State is working on a plan now to sell alcohol at Beaver Stadium. Ooh. Uh, I'm fine. I, they should. Um, it's a weird dynamic that at many colleges yes. they don't have beer. The crowd that goes to Penn State games is mostly alum, yeah. I think. Yes. It's certainly enough alum that you should have the opportunity to enjoy a beer or two. So I'm all in favor of that, as you can imagine, to hear. All right, of course. Of course you'd be in favor of that. I'm definitely in favor of it. Sure you are. <laughs> so <laughs> That's good. So another thing that's been coming up is these NBA athletes playing in these pro-am games. And in particular, Chet Holmgren, the second overall pick who went to the Oklahoma City Thunder, he recently got injured. He got a Liz Frank injury in his foot, and now he's out for at least 8 to 10 months. So now there's debate amongst the NBA that will allow or not allow these players to play in these pro-am games anymore. I'm not going to get upset about pro basketball players playing organized basketball. Um, I'm just not. <laughs> that you know, It's a shame for Holmgren. It's a shame for the Thunder. I yeah. mean, th- these are shades of Joel Embiid here because Holmgren's going to sit out the right. entire season. Yeah, he's either like Simmons, too. He'll yeah. be the rookie of the year the next year. Exactly, um, which may work to his advantage because the questions about him as a player uh, are born of the fact that he's so skinny and needs to kind of grow into his body, but his mm-hmm. skill set looks pretty great. So um, I got no issue with them playing in these, these pro-am games and tournaments. All right, you got another one? Yep, and this is the last story. Now, this story just came out today. So Wes Welker, who now is part of the coaching staff for the San Francisco 49ers, well, he put out a tweet today, and I guess he put in to the NFL for a disability plan. Well, the NFL just denied it. And and considering all the injuries that he's had over the years, groin injuries, leg injuries, we're not even going to talk about the concussions that he's had with the Patriots. I find this ridiculous that the NFL did not accept his plan. Um, I don't know the specifics. Mm. How many years did he play? Like 15, 16 years? Um, he, he, close to it. I mean, yeah. he was a long time with the, you know, while with the Dolphins, long time with the Patriots, long time with the Broncos. And the concussion issues are the ones I think at the forefront of his, his problems, uh, post playing career. Yeah. My instinct says that Wes Welker should be taken care of. Yeah. And I think in general, the NFL, I mean, look, Former players have talked about this for years and years, um, complaining about how the NFL um, doesn't do a whole lot for retired players uh, to help them get on or at least get with something close to a normal life. All right. Mike Sielski, the question of the day was, what is something that no longer exists in Philadelphia sports that we really miss? What do you got? I got, I'm going to go outside the box a little bit here. Um, I love the answer about the Philadelphia Journal and the idea (laughs) of the old newspapers. Maybe it's just, it's me, the way I came up, but... Um, I liked that somebody thought about the question in those terms that, you know, we don't have the Philadelphia Journal anymore. We don't have the Philadelphia Bulletin. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a writing guy. I'm a sports journalism guy. Mm-hmm. I forget who submitted that answer, but that person is. Tahir, do you know who won that? Give me, me yep. one second. Yeah, we'll pull fine. it up real we quick. We will let you do that. Uh, by the way, today's prize is a $25 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports and a 
Prism T-shirt from Shy because our sports memory of the week was the founding of Prism this week. What year did we say it was? 1976. 76. Wow. That was a big year around this town. I was one year old. Well, there you go. So you never were without Prism. That's right. There and you it go. was Gary that won. Congratulations okay. to Gary. We will get that out to you. Coming up next, Go Birds Radio. James Seltzer, Elliot Shore, Parks. Hey, I'll be back at 5, uh, so stay tuned all day. we got the pregame show coming up at that time. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next on 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.